as well as the assistant coach for the Maplewood Tigers and the head coach for the Grove City Eagles, Bill Hager and Don Fee. And the main attraction tonight for episode number 23 of Eddie Sapo's My Story My Passion at 6 foot 2 out of Erie, Pennsylvania the head basketball coach of the Cannon University Knights John Dr. Ryan Molly here, orthopedic surgeon, cutter of bones, entrepreneur, businessman, and most importantly, loving husband and father of three very young and active busy boys. And tonight, I've been waiting for this episode for a long time. Uh, this guest is probably the hottest ticket right now in Erie, Pennsylvania in terms of uh, collegiate athletics. Um, it's funny because I, I knew him when he was literally maybe a foot and a half, two feet tall. He had bleach blonde hair, looked like Dennis the Menace. And um, he's now a, a, a young gentleman, a coach, and is extremely successful. Uh, first year here at Gannon University, and he has uh, literally this high-powered, high-tempo offense that um, if you haven't seen him play, you're going to definitely want to go check him out. I saw him play once earlier this year. I'm already looking. I think they're in town next Wednesday, and then uh, going to try to catch a couple games um, uh, closer to Christmas. So, Without further ado, Coach Jordan Fee. Thanks How so are much you, for having me. I'm doing well. I appreciate you having me. Yeah. Glad to be here. Things are good. This is going to so, be fun. It is going to be fun. I appreciate you having me. I've heard really good things, not seen enough yet. I'm looking forward to kind of rewinding, going back and checking out a couple other episodes. But in the meantime, it's great to be here. So, so I feel like I'm kind of cheating on my Mercyhurst um, uh, history. I'm not even sure who Mercyhurst is. You're going to have to inform <laughs> yeah. me. But, uh, They're the team that beat IUP last year. Gotcha. And okay. Yeah. It's going to be a different matchup, I think, this year. When, but I'll be at one, at least one of those games, if not both. But 
I feel like uh, I'm I'm cheating right now, but I had to do this because I'm supporting Jordan. <laughs> Let's so. go. That's what you look better in those colors anyway. Now we're talking. Now I'm fired up. Yeah, you look you look good in those colors, like a natural. All right, so we got <laughs> we got the Gannon gear on, but um, yeah. So Jordan, as we always start these episodes out, um, I like my guests to be able to get kind of a a real kind of superficial kind of 30,000 foot view of who Jordan Fee is. Sure. So who yeah. you are, where you grew up and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Family. From here, I'll try to give you the real short and sweet from here. I uh, was born uh, in Erie. Uh, my parents were living in Edinburgh in the time they met at Edinburgh. So I grew up in Edinburgh. We moved away to Grove city just South. Uh, when my dad got the, the head job there, the head boys basketball job there. Um, and, and grew up, my childhood was Grove city, Pennsylvania. Incredible place to be um, raised. It's just a, a incredible community, a sports community, a, a loving community. Um, a lot of phenomenal, just a lot of phenomenal people there. And it's just again a great place to be raised. But got an older brother. He's I think uh, sixteen months older than me. You guys are real close. And, yeah, real. So made for some battles growing up. But um, my mother was a. Retired now retired teacher at okay. an elementary school in Grove City. My father taught and coached. Both of my my brother and I were both coached by my father in high school. Um, How was that? It was pretty seamless. You know, I get asked really? that question a lot. Yeah, I, I think some of it was I was a you know decent enough player to where you know I think and maybe I'd say a little and not giving myself too much credit, but had a, had some natural coaching ability maybe. Yeah. Um, so. I think we saw eye to eye a lot. Yeah. So it made it easy. A little tougher, like with my brother and the back and forth of being a young, immature high school kid and him the same. So we'd go at it a little bit. But beyond that, honestly, very seamless and easy. Um, Your dad had a lot of success, too. Yeah, amazing. I mean, he's one of the best basketball coaches, along with obviously a guy you know in Bill Hager that that I've ever seen, you know. So fortunate to have, have... you know, assimilated through those guys and just being around every day since I was in diapers, you know, being in the gym and not having a choice but to learn just by being present. And so uh, I was lucky enough to go on and uh, play collegiately and bounced around a little bit. I, I started at a um, at Air Force preparatory school. Uh, so to do so, you had to enlist in the military. So I was enlisted in the Air Force. And um, were you out in Col- Colorado Springs? Yeah, for a year. Nice. Yeah, so enlisted. It's went like through beautiful basic, area. Just there. incredible. I mean, we were at, we sat at the base of the Rockies, but went through boot camp and did the whole nine there. Finished my year there was a postgraduate year, so it was um, just a very influential influential year of, of on on me and just an incredible year of my life. But um, went on and uh, decided I did not want to be in the military. Went to the University of Detroit Mercy. Played a couple years there. Know the Detroit area well? Sure. So I got to know Detroit very well and um, decided well, give to... Give me some time frames when you were yeah, at Yeah, so places. I graduated high school at 07. So 07, 08, I was at Air Force. Okay. Um, 8 to 10, I was at the University of Detroit Mercy playing. I, I would have been in Michigan. At How about that? that? Yeah. 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 So we were, we were rubbing elbows without knowing it, but I was there. Decided I, I want... They did not have education. I decided at the time, I thought I wanted to teach and coach okay. at the high school level. Um so I transferred uh, from there and ended up at a school called West Liberty University that had recruited me out of high school uh, in northern West Virginia, not far from Wheeling, West Virginia. Okay. So junior, senior year there, I stayed on. I realized at that time I wanted to get into, I thought I wanted to get into college coaching. Mm-hmm. Um, so I stayed on as kind of a graduate assistant um, for a year, 
um, kind of got my feet wet in the business and then bounced around a little bit. I actually went to Clarion for a year as a graduate assistant, went back to Detroit. Um, my college coach there took me back and allowed me to finish my master's there as a grad assistant. Being a grad assistant in college coaching is a lot of time. It's a way to get in. You know, okay. it's kind of a lot of times the way um, to get your foot in the door. So it's the way that I took. Uh, went back there. From there, I was still close with my college coach at West Liberty, um, who I'm sure I'll talk about again throughout this. But he knew about a vacancy, uh, a full-time assistant position at a school called Nova Southeastern um, that's in, in Florida? South Florida. Yeah. Okay. So I went down there as the full-time assistant. You know, I was only on the job for, I think it was maybe, you know, a little over a year. Um, and was we were notified that the the former, the head coach, I was the full-time assistant, the head coach who had been there for a lot of years, um, was not going to be retained the following year. So here I am, you know, just fairly new on this job and thinking, I'm going to scramble to look for another one because, you know, in this business, in our world, you don't, you don't hire assistants when you're firing a head coach. It's yeah. just not what they do. So whether or not I was worthy didn't matter. I was going to have to look for another job or hang on tight to whoever the next head coach was. And luckily for me, as fate would have it, my college coach, Jim Crutchfield from West Liberty, um, came down, took the head job. And it's been a wild ride since. I mean, I've been down there for, we were down there six seasons together and oh wow, kind of transformed it. And I was lucky to be just a very small part of it, but transform it from a kind of a doormat to a, um, we won the national championship last year. During the time I was kind of recruiting. D2? D2, yeah. yeah that's so, awesome. Yeah, so during the time I met my wife, I was recruiting up in Northeast Ohio, Pittsburgh, and my brother and I actually had met up one night in Pittsburgh. I ended up meeting my wife that night. Uh, we stayed, we dated long distance for a while. Um, she also played in college, so we kind of had that in common. She moved down there. Where did she play? Me. She played at uh, Lake Erie College. Okay. Played at St. Vincent, St. Mary, where LeBron played in high school, was a good player. And oh, wow. Played at Lake Erie College, was a good player. So, yeah, we've, we kind of made South Florida our home for the last five years. Um, wow. And, you know, with success, sometimes opened some doors. And, and the chance to come back here was um, too good to pass up. So here we are. So how did, it, how did that work out? I mean, did they reach out to you? Did you see a job posting in northwest Pennsylvania and you recognized the name of Gannon University or how yeah. the hell? Yeah, so I had a connection with some of the administration. The former administration of mine were kind of connected to the people here um, at Gannon. So it was one of those things, you know, it was kind of like a kind of a mutual acquaintance. Um, in, in our world, you know, people keep their eyes open and, um, you know, just kind of keep tabs on them, what's shaking and moving throughout yeah. the business. And so I, I thought that this, this opportunity may open. Um, so I would call it mutual. They kind of reached out. I, you know, I, I think I made it obvious that I had an interest too, which maybe made it easier for them to pursue and sure. um, came up here and flew up, interviewed actually the day, uh, let's see, we flew back, um, touched down. I turned my phone on from the jet um, from the national championship game and had a text message kind of asking to get on a phone call. And um, I think I flew out 48 hours later and, that was that. So here we wow. are. That was for your interview? Correct. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So when did you accept the position? Was it in the springtime? Um, yeah, I think I got hired right at the beginning of April. Okay. So it was very, very bang, bang. I mean, it was very quick. Again, it's kind of been a whirlwind since that, whatever that was, that national championship game was a, was a Sunday. 
maybe a Saturday. I think we got back on a Sunday. I flew up here on a Tuesday, but right at the beginning of April. Was, so. was it a one interview? Yeah, it was a you know a, a couple phone calls and then a an in person, um, which was fairly thorough. And uh, and they knew what they were getting, right? They they had been like college coaches scout other teams. I'm sure they were scouting you as a coach. Smart at, people, at, yeah. At, I mean, they, your style of play. They had done their due diligence and they knew the ins and outs. I think they, you know, in this there there was enough of a network there. I think they made some phone calls and um, they knew style of play for sure. But obviously, I. Um, I can't wait to get into some of those questions. Yeah, so <laughs> so I mean, I just I'm just fortunate to be here. You know, Gannon's a great place. Gannon has just like phenomenal human beings. Yeah. Um, throughout from the president on down, so just to you know be get, having the chance to be back in Erie near my in laws, uh, my wife's family, near my parents, our family. Now, do your parents still live in Grove City? They do. My wife's parents are still in Northeast Ohio. So nice. Just being able to. Make time for family again is really neat, you know. It's new, you know. It's yeah. it's it's a little different. You know, well, as you come into like bit. being a parent too, sure, right? Yeah. I would imagine that's the next. Yeah, we'd step. like to have kids. Yeah, for sure. So and that part's it's the timing. Hopefully, works out. For yeah, too. Yeah. For sure, and being close to family sure. during that is so important. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so. you thirsty? I'm thirsty. Yeah, so Thursday, yeah. beverage break. Well, I always ask my guests what they like, and you know what? I thought I liked this guy because of his style of play, um, <laughs> but I like him even more because of his uh, style of, of beer. He's an IPA guy, I just am. like myself. So tonight, I've got us uh, some Dogfish Head. Let's go. 60-minute IPA. Love it. Absolutely love it. Yeah. And you are the first official guest, other than my boys, because I did a podcast with them, that gets... The first souvenir. Wow. The pint glass. The, the hay saw bones. Absolutely honored. I like so, it. That's big time. I'd That's like to say it's going to be worth something. But <laughs> I love it. If I'd nothing else. It. So hopefully this thing is not going to explode on me. Nope. So, you know, we kind of talked a little bit about the format. Um, what we'll do is I'll have you ask me, you know, some, some business questions, personal yeah. questions, and then... I'm more excited, and I guarantee that my my guests are more excited awesome. to learn more about you and kind of what makes Jordan Fee tick. So cool, man! These are sweet. So, do you have a favorite IPA? You know, I I'll tell you what I like. I had a um, Voodoo has this one called Love Child. Yep, it's phenomenal. I thought you were gonna say Good Vibes, but no, the Love Child is good. Enough of them. Cheers. Cheers, man. Thanks so much for having me. I yeah, really of course. It. Great, to, great to meet you. Yeah. It's funny. You've met my boys on multiple occasions. Right. And um, like I said, I, I met you uh, 40 years ago, yeah, probably. Well, not 40 because you weren't, you weren't but born 30, yet. But, yeah, yeah, but 30 is a long time. It's been a long time. It's, it's wild. I mean, as you can imagine, for me, just being – everything's come so full circle and seeing people again. I talk about – whether it be a Drew Estorino or whomever, and so much of life has gone by, and now you're back and you're together. It's just a, it's a cool, right? A really yeah. Neat, and and uh, as time goes, you're going to run into some more people sure. that, that remember Already you had, from yeah. different uh, areas of your life when sure. you're, your childhood, your high school years, you know, sure. that kind of stuff. So yeah, absolutely, fire away. Awesome, love it. Well, as a, as any decent coach, and I'm not calling myself decent, but it, as any coach would do. Um, I've got my my little scouting report here, my notes on me, so I don't make any so mistakes. You, so. so I've had multiple coaches. Okay. 
Coach Bill Hager yeah. was the first one that actually set up an interview before the podcast a week but before. That. And he had a notebook. He came in with Bobby Knight books. He came in with uh, Coach Cape books. He came in with Dean Smith books, all <laughs> autographed, all personally signed well, yeah. with a little message to, to coach. But um, similar. And then I had um, two nights ago, you know, Coach Jamie, Jamie Plunkett. The, the name's familiar. Uh, Meadville High School uh, hockey coach. Awesome. Eight state championships wow, with Meadville Bulldogs. How cool. So he was sitting in the seat two days ago and he knew your father. And um, he, he was good friends with Bill and your dad. And I mentioned, you know, that I had you coming on. He's like, I've heard about him and I, I need to come up and watch his style of play. And I said, you would love it being a hockey guy too. Sure. The and, pace. And but quick, yeah. So, That's yeah. Awesome. Well, I'm sure they'll, they've both outdone me on questions, but I'm going to, I'm going to give him my best shot here. So yeah. How about the, the toughest sur- surgery you've ever done and, and why so? Oh boy. You're coming in with a hard one right out of the gate. So, um, you know, there's I do primary hip and knee replacements, and then I do what's called revision hip yeah. and knee replacements, which is you had a hip or knee replacement either done by myself or somebody else, and for whatever reason it failed sure. um, a couple years out or 10, 15 years out, and you need to redo it. And um, some of the more challenging cases are, are generally more revisions because a lot of times the patients have lost bones, so you're having to, number one, you got to take the implants out that are already in there. Sure. Sometimes the easiest part of that is if they are loose, you got to take them out. But then the hard part is what do you, you got to fill the voids, right? You've got these, these gaps where there used to be bone and you have to fill it with either more bone like graft that you would get from a cadaver or metal. And then you have to use multiple screws and different augments, metal pieces to kind of fill that void. And then hopefully you're, you're wanting that bone, the native bone from the patient to grow into the, the metal. So um, I can't think of a particular, like one case off the top of my head, sure. but um, I would say it, it would have to be a revision scenario. I, actually, I, I think I can think of it now. It was during my fellowship, and um, it was a revision knee, but it was a revision of a revision. Wow. So this patient had big long stems down into their tibia, up into their femur, and they were fully cemented. And to get these parts out. Um, and when you say fully cemented, you mean so they have the a native. stem that goes down inside the tibia, and it's and the way that it's held in the bone is with bone cement, like a dentist would use wow. cement in your mouth. Um, it's similar to that. And so th- this patient, I can't remember exactly why we were doing the revision, but we had to take all the parts out. How about that? And, and and I'll tell you what, it took two hours to get the tibial part out. My attending, Doctor Lombardi, who is one of the slickest surgeons I've ever watched operate, never saw him struggle. This was the one case I saw him struggle. He, he broke out because he needed a break. He's like, Ryan, have at it. And I mean, we were beating on this thing to try to get the tibia out. And it's kind of like one of those things where you get the jar and you can't open, you can't open. And I'm trying. I'm like, here, Jordan, try it. And you sure. just pop it one time. It's because he probably loosened it, right? Sure. Well, he had been beating on this thing, and it was not easy, but I eventually got it loose. I probably worked on it for 15, 20 minutes after he beat on it for an hour. Wow. And um, so, and then... You get the parts out, and you're like, whew. But now you have to get all the cement debris that's still inside the bone. And so you have to chisel it. It's just very, very tedious, time-consuming. Oh, how about that? That's that's incredible. That's yeah. incredible. How about second question would be kind of in parallel with that is pre-surgery. Do you have a routine? Yeah. And is it like like even more than the maybe the surgical routine, though, do you have a 
Like, what do you do that day? Is there a special routine that day and leading up to? Do you treat the day any different or do you? So the reason I'm laughing is uh, I'd never been asked that question. And I love the question until two days ago. Coach Jamie Plunkett asked Did me the really? same question. Yeah. yeah. So it's a little bit redundant to our users, but you didn't hear it. So I'm I'm OCD. You know, I played a lot of athletics growing up. I played basketball. I played volleyball. Sure. And I would do the same thing before every game, whether it was a meal, whether it was the way that I would get dressed, whether it was the way I would warm up. So it's very similar now. So every single day, I do surgery Mondays, Tuesdays, Wednesdays, um, usually clinic on Thursdays and Fridays. And um, I, I do the same thing. Wake up, walk out, turn the coffee on, go back in, go to the restroom, go brush my teeth, um, take a shower, get, get dressed, get changed, go get my coffee, get my thing of water, because I have a long commute every day. I'm I'm actually um, operating. You know where Transfer, Pennsylvania is? I've, I've heard of Transfer, so but I don't know. It's halfway between Greenville and Sharon. Wow, how about so that? So kind of down, sure, I mean, yeah. closer sure, to yeah. where you grew up Correct. than here. Wow. So it's about an hour and 15 minutes. Really, wow. So um, get my car. Um, one of the first things I do is I, I, I pray every morning. Sure. Uh, help get me through this day. And then I'll usually do a podcast, uh, an audio book, or I'll just listen to some music just to kind of like get in my zone before. And it's like my favorite time of day because most people, they like to be close to work. I, I need that time. Sure. Right. So I go and I just, it's quiet time. It's my, it's like my time. So then I get to the hospital, I go meet my patients for the day and I'll do six or seven joints um, in a day. I'll, I'll have my first three patients come in. I'll talk to each of them. I'll mark their extremity, what I'm doing for them and answer any questions they may have. And then, you know, the same thing surgically, it's the same routine for each case the lights are in the exact same position um i'm 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 like a commercial airline pilot where i need to make sure that every gauge is is perfect the um the bed is perfectly parallel to the the seam and the tile that comes down the center of the room i mean do you have a physical checklist for that yeah or? it's it's here yeah and i've just done it so many times so I've, i'm approaching ten thousand joint replacements wow um, that was a Bill Hager question that he asked me. Right. How many have you have I done? So sometime in the spring of 2024, I will have eclipsed 10,000 um, oh joint replacements. Gosh. And yeah. so for me, it's like any any good disciplined athlete would have a routine. Sure. And you stick to it, and you decrease variables, you decrease mistakes. Sure. So it's just like it may get boring to some people, but not to me. That's it's awesome. just how I yeah, operate. It's really Literally, curious. it's how I operate, but how sure. I function. Sure. Genuinely curious about that. Yeah. Um, how about the the hardest part outside of the surgery itself? The hardest, the toughest part of your job is what? When something doesn't go well, right? Um, so fortunately, what I do, um, it, but between probably ninety eight, ninety nine percent of the time, the patients do very, very well, and they're extremely grateful. And it's that one or two there where something just doesn't go as well, or Maybe everything objectively looks great. The x-rays look great. Their knee is stable. The knee moves well or the hip moves well, but the patient is not happy. And, um, you know, I put so much time and energy into this. Sure. And when something doesn't go as as planned or if the patient's not satisfied, that is probably the hardest thing on me because I, sure. my biggest fear in life has always been failure. And to me, it's like that was a failure. And then it's you're racking your brain and what you could have done differently. And sometimes there's nothing you could have done differently. Cause you look at everything like it looks perfect. It moves perfect, but they don't like it. And that's just the reality that I've kind of had to come and accept, you know, that there's going to be people that you never are able to please. Sure. 
and you can do your best. You can be loving, caring, compassionate. And and to deal with an angry patient is probably, I would not wish that on my worst enemy. It, it is exhausting. And I lose a lot of sleep over it. I'm People sure. don't realize that, you know, I mean, they realize that I take my job seriously, but a lot of times you, you say, well, I leave it at work. It's hard. And, I, and I've brought some of those home. And you met my wife earlier. She's, she's my sounding board and she's my, you know, you know, saint to be able to kind of listen and, and, you know, sometimes that's all it is. I, I don't want suggestions or comments or feedback. It's just, I just need to vent a little sure, bit. Sure, sure. And, but she grounds me. She, she helps to realize like, Ryan, are you forgetting about the 98 or 98% or 98 or 99% that you did help? And did, like, it's lo- the losses. You remember the losses way more than the wins, right? It's sickening, isn't it? Maybe other than your national championship. Yeah. The other lot, the wins just kind of blend in because you're, ex- they're expected. Just like great outcomes for me are expected. It's that, oh, you, you're supposed to be this great surgeon and this happened. It's just like, I'm still a human being. Sure. Yeah. So that's uh, it's a reality. It's, it's funny, just uh, not funny at all, but it's, it's interesting, the parallel, right? Of just different occupations, but just hearing you say that it resonates so much for that reason. So yeah. you mentioned, I'm flowing right into the personal yeah. here, right? Go for it. Um, you mentioned podcasts. You mentioned being on the road, listening to podcasts. What do you, what do you listen to? Anyone specifically? Yeah. So, um, the first podcast I ever listened to was probably back when I was in Detroit and I had a commute there too. I had an over an hour commute. Okay. I really like history. Um, I really like, um, like ancient Roman history. Okay. Um, so the first podcast I ever listened to, I, I heard the term podcast. I'm like, what are these things? Sure. Went and I searched. I'm like, Oh, there's this cool one on the life of Caesar. Okay. And it was two guys talking about, you know, the rise and fall of Julius Caesar, but then subsequently went into all the Caesars after him, Octavian, and, and so on and so forth. And to like, again, hear the Roman history and, and I'm huge on like leadership, love good stories of leadership, love. Um, again, I'm a, I'm a huge athletic fan as well. Sure. So to, to, I don't care what the sport is. I love seeing the best of the best play. Sure. Right? It could be even a sport I don't understand, but I can appreciate greatness. And I love those leaders, the Tom Brady's, the Michael Jordan's, the, the Tiger Woods, even though he was an individual playing an individual sport but like he was still a leader of of the game that he played and um to to learn julius caesar's he was not he was a great general but he got out in the field he actually got on the front line with his guys like he wasn't sitting back on a horse saying go there there." yeah he was getting down and dirty with them and putting his life on the line so really cool i'm gonna give you one here the learning leader podcast it's now that you said that um the guy uh let's see AJ Hawk, the former yeah. Ohio State. AJ Fohawk. Yeah. Yeah. His brother, Ryan Hawk, is a um, successful businessman, entrepreneur now, but um, was a good football player. I believe he played Division One football, maybe at Miami of Ohio or Ohio. With, with U, Big Ben? He may have. Matter of fact, he might have, I think maybe as the story goes, maybe he was there and then transferred when Big Ben got there, or maybe he played behind Big Ben, one of the two. But was he, he a quarterback? He. Or? I believe so. I could okay. be wrong on that, but I believe so. But he, but he's got a podcast called the Learning Leader Podcast. Okay, um, and he has some of the most impressive people you could ever come across. It's neat. He's got some coaches, but he's also got you know people from all walks of life and different fields who are in uh, who are who are leaders in their own right. Yeah, and he, he brings them on there, and it's it's phenomenal. It's one I've listened to religiously. In fact, I just I shot him an email the other day. I've never reached out. He's got a He's very, um, 
I think he's very approachable with his yeah. listeners, and I've never done so. Probably been listening for five years. I oh, mean, wow. every episode. This for, isn't just like a. Is, uh, no, I mean, and maybe not quite that long, but but if not close. Does he do a weekly podcast? He usually it's yeah. it's sporadic. I don't know that it follows. Uh, I mean, it's but there's a lot and there's so much content and it's phenomenal and they're so good that like when you go back and you you can re-listen. I mean, they're just it's incredible and some of the people you've got on there are just they're so brilliant. But it's just it's interesting because I think for me it's. You can't escape, maybe like you, I can't escape basketball, right? It's yeah. hard to escape. And when I'm home, I'm watching film, and then there's a game on TV, and I'm back to film, and I'm taking recruiting calls. And so it's a way to, I think, learn and grow a little bit and maybe use the word vent. It's my way to, outside of time with my wife, dinner with my wife, it's a way to, you know, almost... When will you listen to this? Because um, you're not in the car that yeah, much, right? Yeah, uh, to you know, recruiting, travel okay. often. But uh, like, yeah, when you're on the road, even spread it. Like I'll listen. Maybe if I've I've got a 20 minute um, commute into the office, you know, I'll, I'll pop it on and listen to it later in the day. If I'm on the treadmill, I'll turn it on again. So work it out. I'll turn it on again. And then sometimes throughout the day, even as I'm working, I'll have it on in the background, um, nice. depending on what I'm doing, planning practice, what have you. So. Yeah, it's it's one you should listen to, Learning Leader. It's I'd recommend it to anybody. Um, Ryan Hawk. Ryan Hawk, Learning Leader podcast okay. is just phenomenal. Remind me when we're done, or text me that, that I will podcast. Do it. Yeah, you love it. Uh, I tell everybody that'll listen. Um, your greatest mentor, who is it, and why? Um, professionally or just life? Uh, how about both? So this is gonna sound a bit cliche, but like, and it's somebody I've never met. Uh, well, now I'm gonna do three. Okay. All right, can, I, can I do that? You're allowed. All right. It's my podcast. I can do it. <laughs> you <I> want. <laughs> All right. So I would say my first mentor um, was my dad, right? Cool. To, to really teach me the, the value of really hard work and just being dedicated, being diligent, and grit. He taught me grit. Like, never, ever give up. Like, I grew up on a farm out cool. near Maplewood. So yeah. we were constantly, things were breaking. And, you know, you get frustrated. You'd say, well, let's just go buy a new one. Well, he, w- he was not going to do that. So it was sure. always like, we got to figure out a way. So he really kind of challenged me to become a very creative thinker. Sure. And um, I was I was pretty good with my hands uh, at a very young age. So um, he'd give me the challenges like, oh, the lawnmower broke or the weed eater this or that. And can you can you take this apart and put it back together and fix it? So he was the, the first one. Um Again, a guy I never met, but a guy that taught me kind of my competitiveness. And again, the the grit and the just never say die type of thing was Michael Jordan. Um, sure. I grew up, I was fortunate enough when I grew up that, you know, it was at that sweet age wow. yeah, of like, jealous of that. You know, I was, I was, I was 10 years old when, yeah. when he was just coming into his championship years. Sure. He's born in 1978, right? So I, I even got to see him play at Carolina, wow. not at Carolina, but when he was at Carolina and, you know, those, those mid 80s, man, that was like, I was I was over at the Hager house all the time. Sure. So Nate was uh, Magic Johnson. Sure. Uh, do you know Justin Johnson at all? I don't. So he went to Sagertown. Okay. So there was three families. It was the Hagers, the Johnsons, and the Mollies. We used to go to Hershey every year. It awesome. was our spr- it was our family trip, sure. and we'd go for the state basketball championship. Sure, yeah. We we always knew a team that was there playing, and we'd get three hotel rooms next to each other. Actually, the the Richards family was there. There was a family from Cambridge Springs that would come down with us too, and it was awesome. And us kids, we we go to the old Hershey Park Arena, and we buy nosebleed seats and kind of work our way down. But um, so yeah, just growing up with basketball, I got off track there a little bit. But so Jordan, and then um, pro- professionally, it was my uh, fellowship director, Dr. Adolph Lombardi, 
who uh, really taught me the value of just being extraordinarily precise, right? Just being meticulous. Don't accept, like, I'm a half a millimeter guy. So think about taking a credit card and then splitting that in half. That that means a lot to me in my world. Um, it's kind of like a tool and die world, at least for me. Some guys are like, that's eh, good enough. And I'm just, I'm a perfectionist. So I, I really sure. split hairs. And he was one of those guys that just taught me to never lose that, no matter how many years you've been doing this. And then he taught me the other big, uh, you know, important message that I teach my team all the time is uh, there's never a job too small, right? So um, if you are not moving as efficiently or as quickly as you want to in an OR because you've got a lot of cases to do, you need to do something to help the team. And there's no job too small. So it sure. may be grabbing a mop. It may be changing sheets on a bed. It may be helping a patient transfer over. It may be opening trays for the next case. Sure. And I do that as frequently as I can. Um, and I surround myself with people that that think similarly that, again, there's no job too small. Like my office in Meadville, if I walk in the bathroom and the toilet's dirty, I'm going to clean it. Number sure. one, because I own the building and I want it to look presentable, but I want the patient experience to be second to none. Yeah. And I can't have somebody going in and saying that. Sure. Sounds like we tell our guys off, which is, you know, how you do anything is how you do everything, right? Uh, so. so that's one of my favorite quotes ever. Sure. And, and I've heard that. Who... Who is that? I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm not sure. I've just heard it but, a million uh, times. The way I, I kind of say it. it's very similar. I said the way you do anything is the way you do everything. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Yeah. So exactly if you, right. I'm sure you use it for practice, right? It's I like try, if, yeah. if you want to play well in a game, you got to prepare well in practice. Absolutely. So I'm the same way. Like surgery, you can't just come in and think you're going to do a great surgery if you haven't practiced and done it no. literally thousands of times before. Sure. And then how do you prepare for the practice? Kind of. Why I asked you the question, you know, about the detail and the preparation going in is kind of curious on that. You know, yeah. how do you, I I'm sure you have your time. rituals. It's not just the practice, but it's the pre-practice. And how do you, how did you prepare the night before? You know, because mm-hmm. re- literally everything from the, the time you leave practice today for us, what was today until tomorrow before practice is preparation. You know, yeah. What are you going to do to your, your brain's yourself? going, right? Yeah. And maybe it is time off, you know, maybe it's taking some downtime, but what do you do in between the you know, the two. So, um, well, my last one for you is by far and away my most is where my most curiosity comes from, but it's, um, where, how, you know, just, just being a father and, you know, juggling your boys and your wife and your relationship, your, your, your home, your extended family. And then what is a very, um, you know, a very tough job and a very consuming, what can be consuming job. You mentioned, takeaway right i struggle yeah. with that often which is not being able to have a an outlet right sometimes mm-hmm. and if you feel i'm sure at times can feel overwhelmed how do you how do you juggle all that without becoming just that overwhelmed so and maybe the second part sorry to interrupt would be like are there keys are there is there organizational keys is there stuff that you do to help mitigate that yeah great question yeah, love it honestly love it it's probably one of my favorite questions anyone's ever asked me um and it's not a simple answer i'll try to bring it down to some some key points um you know it doesn't happen easily and it doesn't happen quickly um this has been a work in progress i've been um an orthopedic surgeon kind of on my own for it's coming up on 15 years um and i will tell you the first couple years out in practice didn't have any kids yet so it was a lot easier i was able to focus all of my time and my so my life kind of went Sorry to go back a little bit, but uh, undergrad, medical school, residency, 
And so it was four years of undergrad, four years of medical school. At what point were you married? Five years of residency. I did not meet my wife until I was in residency. Okay. I, I was older. Okay. Um, I think we married at 30-ish. Okay. And then we had our first son, Anthony, at 32-ish. Okay. And I think my wife was 32 or 30. Yeah, I think she was 32 when we had him. And I didn't have my first job until I was 32. But I didn't take any time off. So I was so focused, laser focused on my career that I think the other aspects of my life really took a hit. Or or they were on the back burner, right? So like my personal development, I think I was... um, I can use the word immature uh, because, and I was probably just very selfish because I was like this, I have to get through undergrad, I have to get through med school. And then residency was the hardest part. It was like the military uh, getting through that. And then I had to do a fellowship. I didn't have to, but I chose to. Um, So then the first two years after that, you're just like, all right, now it's me. I'm finally on my own after all these years. Um, So I learned the, the surgical piece first. And then, you know, I got married in 2008. So halfway through my residency, I think my fourth year of my residency. Um, and my wife and I, we, we took a co- couple years before having kids, which I think was great. You know, I, I would encourage, sure. how long have you been married? Married for, you got married last year, June 11th. Yeah. Yep. So I, that's my big thing that I tell people is like, I'm not trying to tell people what to do, obviously. Sure. But the one thing I really, really appreciated was that the fact that we had a couple years to focus on each other. Sure. Um, and then the, the, the the, the nuts and bolts of it, though, are like you have to at some point set your priorities, right? And I did a lot of this personal reflection. My wife would ask me, who do you talk to? And I'd say, who do you mean? I talk to myself. Um, and then three years ago, I finally got serious about talking to somebody. And I got a life coach Yeah, because I, I, they're, they're, I was just very overwhelmed. Sure. I have a wife. I have three young boys. I have a orthopedic practice that I'm running. So there's the business side of things. Then I'm a surgeon. Um, and it, it was just, where's my priorities here? So Allison, my life coach, amazing, amazing woman, um, really kind of helped set this up for me. So it's it's God is at the top every time, all the time. Then it's I. And that may seem very selfish, but until you can get you good, you can't be good for your wife. You sure. can't be good for, for, I can't be good for my, my boys. I can't be good for my patients, my staff. Um, so it's God, I, we, meaning my wife is next. So oftentimes things get flipped, right? And you put your, your significant other before yourself. Sure. And that's may seem selfless and great and this and that. But if you're not giving yourself what you need, it's going to be hard to give your wife or your husband or whoever what they need. So, sure. and then it goes to kids, right? And I will say that's the hardest thing right now in my life and my wife's life is you skip over these three things and you go right to the kids and the kids are the first priority for everything. And we have to constantly remind ourselves that if we're not good and I get frustrated at times, like even last night I was just very short with, with the boys because they were misbehaving and I just have to step back and just be like, all right, go take some time. And I just kind of walked away from the situation, quiet time, maybe meditate um, say a prayer, whatever works for you, then you can come back a lot more level-headed. And um, that is really uh, physical fitness and wellness has been a, a major goal this past year for Karen and I. We have a trainer that comes in, so that's kind of what we're doing for us individually. Awesome. But we get to do it together. Awesome. And um, so, yeah, I, I think it's just like putting things in perspective, making sure that you're 
you don't mix your priorities up. And I didn't even mention my work yet, right? Sure. I mean, that's that's down here, sure. but that definitely consumes the most amount of my time. Sure. Hands down. Like it, it, I'm at work more than I'm at home awake, right? Sure. Because when I come home, I'm home, but then you sleep for whatever you sleep. Sure. But um, it doesn't mean that the quality of the time that I give, because I try to give my boys a lot of quality time sure. with coaching different sports that they have, but sure. uh, taking them to events, taking them to games, um, getting out of town with them. Like we love to travel. That's awesome. That, that's, that's one yeah, of the I'd things like, that my I'd wife and I love that. to I think do. That's so neat. You know, that's so neat. And you, do you do that? Just as often as you can, or so we. I started that tradition last year. The the father son kind of trips. It was a it was a Christmas present. I said, guys, you know, here's your Christmas present. You know, we're going to Hornets Celtics game. Cool. Anthony, we're going to go to Chicago, and he loves cities too. So we got okay. we we would go two nights. So it's it's not just like in and out. It's two nights. We usually do at least one really really nice dinner at like a nice steakhouse, oh. and then we hang out. Maybe we go shopping. Maybe we go. Um, sightseeing like when we go to san francisco to see the uh, warriors game uh with santino we're going to go to um alcatraz cool he's a huge history guy he loves that yeah i kind of love it that's neat and then boston we're going to hook up with nathan hager cool. we're going to obviously tour boston a very historic sure. oh, city yeah. and yeah so yeah well you want to flip the tables here so i can Let's flip the table this, really this good. Is what thanks I'm really for your insight that was awesome yeah that was really cool so business stuff first okay so I'm going to ask more than three, too, by the way. Okay. Obviously, you grew up in a ba- basketball household. Um, I remember you, again, when you were the yay high. Your dad was the assistant coach at Maplewood for many years. Actually, i got to show you a basketball before you leave. Your dad signed that. How about that? Okay, cool. Way back in the day. It was one of the eight, late 1980s teams. Um, when were you born? 88. Yeah, okay. So this was probably, you, you may have just been born when this was out. But... Um, who was your your main influence into deciding this is what I'm going to do in my life? Yeah, by far and away, my father. You know, he just again just being being around it so much. Um, def, definitely him, and then and then playing collegiately, being around the college coaches that I had. And again, I think part of a little bit of my story is I never had the college career that I probably envisioned. Um, in terms of stability and um, you're saying as a player yeah I call it continuity right I never was at a place for long enough I bounced around I never really flourished even on the court like statistically like I thought I would like I thought I would have that but in hindsight boy what a tremendous experience because I played for so many different guys and it was influenced by so many different coaches so I think being able to see it at that level at a certain point in time I realized you know I want to coach but I'd also you know, my poor daddy, I realized a little bit of the nonsense that, that he had to go through at the, at the high school level. Yeah. Whether it be parents or what have you. That, that's my dealing. next question. But <laughs> Yeah, so that's, you know, I chose to do it. But my dad, for sure, you know, um, since then. The, the, do you remember how old you were when you were like, I think I want to be a coach someday? I, I think. Because I'm sure at some point you want to be an NBA player. Just yeah, like I did. Yeah, of course, and, of course. Yeah, so I'm not sure when that dream died, but it died eventually. Um you still, you still got some time, right? Well, you never know. I could always flip the script. Yeah, I thought about playing today with our guys post-practice, and then I watched the speed at which they were playing and thought, unless I want to see you in, this, in, the, in the surgery room, I don't. I should probably so stay. So if away. I decided to play with your team, I would make it about 30 seconds in, and I wouldn't need to see me. I'd need to see a cardiologist. Cause. Yeah, 
So you guys go. Yeah, we do. <laughs> they play fast and they play hard. But yeah, so I don't I don't know when exactly. I, I do know I at one point in time throughout my college when I made that change, when I transferred from Detroit to, to West Liberty, I had wanted to teach and coach at the high school. Yeah, level. you mentioned that. So it was post that at some point, you know, I don't know exactly when, but I mean, um, prior to that, did you have any things like aspirations of college coaching or were you kind of like my dad was a high school coach? You remember the Bill Hager, uh, your experience yeah. that you saw, were you kind of like, I'm going to coach high school and I'm going to teach. Yeah. Like that's those? Yeah. I, I think it was so normal to me. Yeah. So it was kind of like, well, this makes sense. I've seen this. What a great life that my father and mother lived. Like this makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, there's some stability there, right? There's less, uh, there's more stability there than maybe at the college level, but yeah, at a certain point, I'll tell you when it probably was, was when I, you know, got to be a, a graduate assistant and kind of started to get my feet wet in recruiting. Kind of fell in love with the re- with the recruiting piece and the recruiting mm. aspect and the evaluation of going to find a needle in a haystack. You know, you're trying to find this guy and you have, you know, it's it's wide open. You can search wow. the world for a guy that fits your program and what, what exactly you need what you're looking for. At need. that time. Correct. Too, yeah. right? Because so, it's not just... Um, I, I want this player every single year, but like you, you're going to have different needs each season with what you lose. Yeah, and- exactly. Right. So I, that was definitely what, um, you know, thinking a little further on, that's probably what changed the course a little bit. Is um, that ever intimidating to you? Cause that would be like intimidating to me. Cause I'm so competitive. I'd be like, you fall in love with that guy. You do. Like I got to get that guy. Yeah. You know, I but you got to balance. You can't put all your eggs in that basket. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's strange. You know, it's funny. I like joke with my wife all the time. It's like I'm you falling in love with these seventeen year old guys. You know, you are. You watch them play, and you just become infatuated with their game and the type of people they are, and yeah. what you can forecast and foresee for them and their future. And you do, and it's. I mean, it's like having a relationship and being broken up with at times. You know, when you miss out, it is it is gut wrenching. I can tell you <laughs> specific guys that I missed out on where I was. Um, it's like the my, way I it's felt. My, it's like my surgical complications, Correct. right? You, exactly. You those unfortunately, more. it pains you. But fortunately for me, like we've been, you know, it's it's the recruiting piece has been very natural. I, I'm very relational, uh, very relationship driven. Yeah. So I think being able to have those relationships with these young guys, their families, go through that process of getting to know them. Um, I like what you mentioned earlier. You said the type you can fall in love with these seventeen year old guys the type of player they are, but then you also said the type of person that they are. Absolutely, yeah. So, um, um, again, I'm not counting questions. I'm going to be asking a lot of them. Um, what, what type of person are yeah, you Yeah, won't compromise on character. You know, just won't do it. Um, greatest joy, greatest takeaway, you know, from winning a national championship, was what, which was the coolest um, basketball moment of my life. Um, but the greatest takeaway as I'm sitting there in the locker room was after they'd all cleared out and I sat there with my boss, my mentor, you know, I didn't answer that question, but he'd be the second guy, Jim Crutchfield, my college coach who became my, you know, my boss, um, and my colleague. But I just remember saying to him, what, you know, what an amazing group of guys, like our 13 guys, you would have been, it would have been a pleasure to have every single one of them into your home eating at your dinner table and like the kind of guys you'd want your boys around those kind of guys so knowing that we were able to accomplish the goal with that type of human being right. is by far and away my my greatest joy and, and takeaway from that experience which was like 
it can be done with good people. So if you can do it with good people, why would you do it any other way? So, dude, I love that. Yeah. To answer your question, like I just won't compromise. So, but it's a lot of different things and they're not all the same and I don't want them to be all the same. Right. right. What fun would that be? So, you know, but I, I want guys that know the difference between right and wrong. You know, I want guys that uh, put winning at the forefront. Right. I want guys that, that treat people the right way. I want guys that, you know, I like them to look at you in the eye when they, they sit across from you. I think there's something to be said for that. I like guys that, that when I'm watching them on film and I've got it on mute because my poor wife's sleeping beside me, but I'm, I've got it on mute, I can see them communicating without hearing the volume. I can see their body yeah. language and them communicating, whether it be with their hands, with their, eye, with their head, what have you, with their, with their body movements and motion. In the same light, I like guys that cheer for other people's successes. I think that's a huge determining factor for me, right? It's like, one of my biggest traits yeah. that I personally have and because i'm a cheerleader sure. I, I love that's why i'm wearing a freaking gam shirt that, right now way, right? yeah no seriously i'm i'm gonna come and watch sure. you guys play a lot because sure. i'm a huge basketball fan but i've never gone to a gannon game unless it was mercer's gannon game sure. but i'm gonna because love seeing young people successful people um people that are driven people that have great character and like you came to gannon you were recruited as the coach signed, moved up here. It was all April time. Sure. It's barely December and you're seven and oh. Yeah. And you, you guys are like your trajectories through the roof. How the hell did you do that? Yeah. How many guys did you have return from a previous squad? How many guys did you recruit? How did you recruit between April and the beginning of the school year? How did you do that? Super loaded question. Cool. Probably the one of the coolest periods of my life when I think back now, and I guess I'm still kind of transitioning through it, but the, the whirlwind that it was, because everybody asks the question, I've been asking it a million times and I appreciate people asking it, but you know, nobody asks about what about the administrative piece? Like what about hiring two full-time assistant coaches and then figuring out a way to move them and their families? Um, from I, I never even is that yeah. your responsibility yeah so so that's so, not like the ad's job no yeah so oh, i had I've, no idea yeah. about that so i wouldn't even know to ask that right question. yeah so it's I, just I like, they're like maybe you give some input but like sure. you're not logistically the one that's responsible for all that yeah no so brand new staff so wow. i had to go hire the the first thing i did is so so i'd back up the easiest way to explain it would be in in recruitment right you're constantly keeping tabs on guys like we had signed a, a young man early at nova southeastern had our eyes on some guys so when that transition took place you know at a certain point in time i'm now first of all shaking hands making sure i clean up all loose ends at nova but then at some point in time you transition yeah you know and when you transition you're now the head coach again and right? you're starting to recruit for game Gannon, on. you know and i love nova southeastern but I love Gannon more, yeah. you know, and so <laughs> you, you got your loyalties, right? That's you, for sure. Yeah. So you've got to start to build. So like throughout that process, you've got this pool of guys. Like I've got lists right now. I've got, we've got the A list. We've got the B list. We've got the C list. And you start to vet through those guys and you circle back on some guys that maybe weren't guys that you had, um, you know, pinpointed as being guys for Nova, but then well, made it, they might work at Gannon. And quite frankly, I mean, the cupboard was just so bare and trying to, you know, figure out. So I guess first things first was figuring out who's returning, 
right? Which guys? Yeah. So how returning? many how many guys are on so your team now? Five returners, and we have nine newcomers. So wow. Yeah, in that span of time, we signed eight. They had signed one previously before we got there. We signed eight guys. Um, hired my what, the five returners. Were there any um, non returners that were still are still at Gannon? Um, no, there's no non-returners that are still at Gannon. Most of them had, they, they made my job a little bit easier on me in that. Like, you know, when you, it, everybody's different, but when you take over a new program, I guess the easiest thing would be, at least in, from my viewpoint would be kind of starting clean slate, right. Yeah. And like getting to sign your guys. If you're a guy that likes to recruit like me, you've got all these guys in the hopper and you're not fearful of going to have to, you know, having to sign 14 guys. So for right. me, it was like clean slate would have been. Um, the easiest way to do it maybe, but I was fortunate that the five guys that decided to, um, return are really good people. And I made sure of that. Um, you know, so, so you didn't have to dismiss anybody. Um, we, we had to, there, there was some stuff that it, you know, guys that had, yeah, you don't need it, to go yeah, into details, but. It, but like there were some guys that were kind of on their way out because okay. of some, um, you know, regardless of me, right. Yeah. Regardless of me and, and my situation. So kind of like shook hands and um, went our separate ways with a couple different sure. young guys. But for the most part, those guys wanted to be a part of this thing. And those were the guys that we were kind of vetting through. Like, Did they know what they were getting in, in the coach? Did they do any kind yeah, of Yeah, like, I mean, I think it's everything is so accessible nowadays. Like, I think they they did some research. I don't know that fully they understood, like, the style and the demands of the style. But I'm sure they, they did a little bit of research, just like I did on them. I would hope that they did, you know. Um but yeah, it was just a whirlwind. Hired the two just phenomenal young guys. You talk about good people, man. Talk about assistance like, now. You're yeah, about- uh, Easton Mazzoli is a um, young guy that's uh, from Western Pennsylvania. Also, he's a Seneca Valley guy. Okay, was it was at a school in Tennessee, Union University, with his wife and his young daughter, and so full time down there had to make that move. So obviously, I just feel a certain kind of way How'd about you know Easton. Him, uh, we actually recruit him for a year. Um, when I was a grad assistant that first year at a West Liberty. So I knew of him, okay. stayed in contact a little bit. He actually was in our region down there in the, the South region. So they, we played each other. It would have been in the round of, I guess, 32 in the NC tournament. The one year they were at our place and we beat him on a buzzer beater. And so kind of reconnected there. Sure. Kind of had my eyes on him as like a young guy. It, you know, it's, I'm sure like in your world, in our world, it's just a, such a small world. Everybody yeah, knows it's relationships. So I knew pe- a lot of people that knew him as well. Um, I knew he was a guy I wanted to go after. So hired him, hired our, our second assistant, Mayo Baxter Bell, which who was a, he's a Ohio guy, had a really good career at Liberty University, but same thing, just phenomenal young guy, can really play, can still play, they both can. Mm-hmm. But the, just the kind of people that not only you want it like in your program, but the kind of people that Erie wants in the community, in this community like those kind of dudes. Um, so just phenomenal guys. And then, we went to work, I and mean, we were all over the place. We were signed our our first kid, actually, sight on scene, a young guy, Mason Bennett, who's a freshman on our team now. I'd kind of been courting him, recruiting him a little bit, and just knew he's, when I saw him, I knew he was a guy, like, if we had the opportunity to take, you would, you know, you talk about that grit that you mentioned earlier of growing up. He is just a gritty kid. So we took him, like, he's got to be here, you know, and he was the first one, and then the dominoes started to fall. We drove down to Alexandria, Virginia, actually, um, hadn't hired Mayo yet, but well, Mayo was at Let West Liberty. So Issa and I hop in the car, we drive down to Alexandria and on the way we stop at a young guy's um, place named Mike Montano, who's now a freshman for us. And we yeah. got, got Mike to commit, 
got Mayo on board, drove back up, and on the way, we're just... Are you starting to feel energy building? Oh, yeah. I mean, that's... Uh, I mean, just... The recruiting is just... It's... When it's good, it's good. I'm, Sometimes I'm getting kind yeah, of excited. Just I know. Like I so can. it's it's like, all right, and you're looking positionally of like what we think we might need. All the while, we're watching film these five returners thinking, what void can he fill? Can he do this? Can he do this? What might we need now? And you're just... But it's you're, you're racing against the clock, right? And all the while, you're... Just like you talked, and probably why I asked you that question, you're just trying to juggle... You know, we're trying to sell a home in South Florida. I'm trying to figure out what my wife's going to do professionally and, and what her move's going to look like and trying to figure out the logistics of like... But, but you were just hired, buying, right? Just, you were, you yeah, were hired to yeah. create a successful program, which, I mean, in short order, you have. Those first <laughs> few days, I mean, I'd argue like those first few days on the job were as important as tomorrow will be for me, which it'll be a very important day. We have practice. You know, I'm scouting for next Wednesday. Uh, probably on the road recruiting tomorrow night. Like, it'll be a very important day. Tomorrow, I would argue, is probably not as important as maybe that first, one of the days within that first three-week span. If that wow. makes sense, the oh, way yeah, that those no, days no, yeah. carried was just instrumental on whatever we did those first few weeks was going to have a just a dramatic impact Domino on effects. Yeah, right now, exactly. right on today and winning and so what product we can put on the floor, what kind of guys we can so get. So you wasn't so like, ah, oh, I'm going to celebrate my, not my even, new job. Not for a second. You you know, just, not for one it's, second. It's time to go to work. All day, yeah. Every second of every day. Dude, I, I love yeah, it. Yeah. We're cut from the same class. Yeah. So this next one, what do you call, this is going to be like a segment of this podcast, by the way. It's the it's the style of play, the, the Coach Jordan Fee style <laughs> of play. This is multiple questions, all right? Number one. Where did you get that? Was it a style that you were coached into playing? Because sure. that was not how Coach Don Fee coached. Not even yeah teams. In, it's almost the exact opposite from what I remember. Correct. Like we very call, defensively yeah. oriented. Oh, yeah. Very very different. Move the ball. Yeah. Just wear it out. You know, pass a million times. Yeah, and they'll they'll make a mistake. The defense will eventually make a mistake. Yeah, correct. So it's called we call it the system. You know, and anybody that's a part of the system, and now I, I believe there's. Um, did you coin that phrase? I don't know. I mean, did you learn that other way? We, did anyone else ever say this is what we're going to call the system? We've never said it. We've always just we've never coined it and said this is what we're going to call it. It's just we always have called it that. Where who's, who's we? So so Jim Crutchfield was my college okay. coach. At some point in time, I'm sure he said the system, and then everybody else just copycatted it. You know, and he is the guy. I mean, he's the 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 beauty of this thing. Is, so you played for him or? We're, we're an assistant under him or both? So both. Okay. Yeah. So so out of high school, I was recruited a little bit by a guy named Eric Bavard, the head coach at Chaminade now in Hawaii. Okay. Eric is a part of the system. He's a system guy. So he was Jim Crutchfield's assistant at West Liberty. Um, the system started. The beauty of it, though, is it's coach began. Coach took the job, much like this job. It was a He had took over, I think, a four-win team. Okay. And he said. How many wins did Gannon have last year? Uh, three yeah so you've more than doubled that in your first so, seven yeah games. so but regardless he, he began this he said i'm we're gonna play differently and he had done some research and started and so created the system and and it's just I mean, but you didn't go was this at west liberty correct you played at u of d prior to that Eight, and you ten. played the air force prior uh, to that yeah so this was the last stop so you weren't coming out of high school saying i want to go to a coach that coaches the system mm, correct it just, just kind of happened sheer, sheer luck 
Man, yeah, sheer luck. And I when was, you got there and you played under it, were you like, this sucks? No, it was like the only thing that sucked about it was like that I felt like, again, talked. To, you mentioned the word immature at the time. I was very immature. And I had been a guy that, you know, the year before was playing at Hinkle Fieldhouse against Butler, who was in the national title game and like playing. I, I didn't have a huge role, but I have enough of a role where I felt like I was a Division One player and I thought it was far better than I was. And then I dropped down a level to a Division II school thinking I'm going to walk in here and be the man. And that certainly wasn't the case. They had a, these guys that were veterans and had been established. So I, had I been, you know, again, hindsight's 20, 20 and I wouldn't change it, but it, I probably would have had a better college career had I went to West Liberty from the get go. Get go, yeah. you know, but I didn't because you had to change your style. You did, right? Yeah, and it's and had it's, you it's ever not, played that style? Before? Not even close. I mean, nothing. It was like nothing I'd ever seen. And it was hard to. The only reason it made sense was because he had then, like, the two years prior to me getting there, they had started to win, you know, and win at such a high rate that it was just hard to argue against. So, like, my first year there, I, I, I'll screw this up, but we were like, I think we were maybe thirty and one my first year, and then the next year it was like you know, maybe 29 and two or 29, and three. So we went elite eight final four. And then the last year was a grad assistant elite. I remember final seeing your four. CV, your teams were the highest scoring teams in the country. country yeah. It have been since. Right? I mean, like 112 points a game yeah, was, was one of them. And one yeah. was just over a hundred. Yeah. Like you would see a hundred point games when I would go to, to see local, you know, Mercyhurst, Edinburgh, Gannon, Maybe once in a blue yeah. moon, right? If you got to an overtime or if it was just a kind of a sloppy and it was just game like, or whatever. Wow, we yeah. got 100 points. And, and you never saw a high school game go to 100 points. Sure. Right? Sure. So to see this, how long as a player did it take for you to buy into it? Was it? Quick because of, again, it's success. The winning. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just couldn't winning, winning helps it. everything. Yeah, he's and, and now, I mean, he was actually at some point while he was at West Liberty, he he garnered this title, but he's the winningest coach in the history of college basketball. His percentage, uh, I think it was, it's, it's any uh, men's NCAA head coach that's been coaching 10 years or more. He has the highest winning percentage. What it's is it? John Wooden, Krzyzewski, you name it, all these guys. Better than theirs. Better than all of them. It, well, it's like 80. I was going to say 83-ish? Higher. It's like 88. It's like 87, Holy 86. Lord. Somewhere in there. Yeah, it's... So to lose again. a game is pretty rare. Yeah, yeah you're you're, you're losing lately. like one out of ten, not even. And that and that's yeah. a really good season yeah. when you put those numbers I mean, all together. Yeah, I mean, especially recently, I'd say not even, but not you know, just recently, there's just been such a such an amount of winning that's just hard to explain. So again, it's so just the system obviously works. Yeah. Were, were you ever kind of like, well? My, I, I feel like I have to ask sure. this question first. It's a fair one. I, what is the system? Can you just explain without giving the, the secret sauce away? Like, Because yeah. for our viewers that haven't seen your team play, I, I know what the system is. Sure. I don't know the ins and outs of it, but you explain um, it. Trying to just create a different game, whereas a normal game, there's these ebbs and flows and this high points, low points, and it just continues that way throughout the game we're trying to create a game that is linear that is you know, we're trying to keep constant pressure on the defense um when we're on offense by the way we play offensively and then on the flip side we're on defense we're trying to create and keep constant pressure on the on the opposing team on the offense so that's like the short gist of it and obviously there's a thousand more um intricacies to it but that's the that's the gist of what it is it's just we're trying to create a 
a different level of play. So this was my one game experience watching the system and play, but this was my, if I had to give it a summary, like I went home and I said, dad, I was like, you got to come up and and see this. And I told him, I invited him up before he didn't come up. My nephew, Nathan, who you should talk to that kid some more. Um, He's a huge basketball nut. Just graduated from Cambridge was a good baller. He's obviously tall, but um, we, we watched this. I'm like, I had heard a little bit about it. And then I got to see it in person. I was like, here's my analysis. It is, I hate to say I went 110% because that's not really a thing, but these guys are going 110% and they know that they're not going to be in there probably longer than two or three minutes. And then there's a whole new like line that comes out. It's almost like hockey and they're going to go 110% for two or three minutes mass uh, uh, chaos is not the word because it, it sounds like it's just like a free-for-all it's That's not great point I, I almost feel like it's organized chaos but Correct. you're trying my impression is you're trying to create chaos for the for the when you're on defense so they're full court pressing as soon as the ball gets in they're trapping that and you're, you're I, like as a player i just remember like when that the end of the game you'd press for like the last minute or two or if it was close you would be like, oh my God, oh my God, they're pressing. And like, you know how to break it, but these guys are so fresh and so much energy and they're on you. They create, my my guess is you probably get seven to eight turnovers per game on, on your press, whether it's a steal, whether it's a bad pass out of bounds, whether it's something. Sure. Maybe six to six to eight would be. Do you even, know the number? Yeah, even more. You know, is it? oh yeah. I don't know what it is right now. I think we we are leading the. Do you have a target like ten? We or? don't have a target, but we always say we want to be plus ten in turnover margin. Okay. Unfortunately, we've turned it over too many times. I think we let's see. We play East Stroudsburg. We turned them over twenty. I think twenty nine times. Um, yeah, I mean we're and we're. We're leading in the country in fast break points at the, at the moment, but we've. I, I guess I'm not talking just. Uh, turnovers in general i'm talking like before they even get the ball over half court sure i feel like you're getting at least six to eight turnovers like a steal on an inbounds play or the the first pass after the inbounds you're stealing it yeah um i just i felt like that was happening a lot the other style offensively i felt like once you got that turnover whoever had the ball be you're able to be the point guard it's like go just go and good analysis you're right i mean that's we are trying to create a system of, um, in a lot, I don't want to say equal opportunity, but we are positionless basketball, right? So if we're following the rule of constant pressure, the second we get a steal, barring some kind of unique circumstance, late game, we're trying to hold for a last second shot, whatever, barring some circuits outside of that, we are looking to keep constant pressure on the defense. To keep constant pressure on the defense, the second you get that steal without delay, you're looking to attack. Yeah. Right. So there is no delay. There's no traditional basketball. Like set it up, get set it to the it point up, guard. Get it to the point guard. There's none of that. There are we don't have numbers in our system. Um, Just have positions. Like I mean, like <clears throat> spreading the floor. Yeah, like we'll teach like we'll teach a motion offense and we kind of let guys gravitate towards their strength. So right. easier. Who's number twenty four? Um, I'm awful with numbers. Let me. Uh, Zach Hobbs is a transfer from Indiana State. Yeah, shooter. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. that's my guy, man. Yeah, he's he's a great. Kid. I, I fell in love with that guy quick, and yeah. I was just like, dude, that's my guy. Yeah, I would have loved to play your style of basketball at least offensively because yeah. I was a shooter. Were but you? yeah, but defensively, um, I can see. But I was also that kind of player that I needed to be out there because I was a rhythm player. Yep, and I feel like 
when, when Nathan, my nephew, and I were there, he goes, boy, you have to be selfless on this team. And you have to um, really embrace this style. Yeah. But if you do, your success is through the roof. Your sure. winning percentage yeah. obviously speaks that. Your mentors. But, man, like, they the guy that is like, I need the ball every time down the floor, get the ball to me, clear out, that doesn't even exist. Sure. So I, I love it, though. I love. Well, I appreciate it, and I do. I appreciate your interest in it. I'll tell you this. I, I'm a fan just as much as you. You know, I really am. Like, I'm a fan of the system. I watch. There's now, I mentioned Coach Crutchfield, who, again, I probably haven't given enough credit to, but, like, he's the guy. He created this. There's now. He has a, a little bit of a tree. There's a guy. So say, is there disciples that yeah, are there's a Yeah, there's a guy named Devin Hearn that's at Bluefield State University, young um, head coach there. There's a guy named Mike Lamberti that's at Coker um, College University. I'm not sure. So are you guys going to maybe meet up? Well, ironically, you may not have known this part, but so last year in the national championship game, um, we played West Liberty in the final. Oh, my God. Yeah, I'll have to send you the link. So you'd enjoy watching the game. Was that a we system coach that took over at West Liberty? Yeah, yeah. So was my assistant. One guy had left. He, ben Hallett is his name, came in. Took over and just continued the winning. Did wow. a phenomenal job there. His assistant, Mike Lamberti, is now at Coker. What was the final Mike score? Was my, uh, the highest scoring game in NCAA history it was 111 101. For um, a national championship game, yeah. you say? Yeah. Wow. So, yeah, it was crazy. Just ironic. You can imagine looking up there, all my college teammates were there. Some of them wearing West Liberty stuff, a couple of them wearing actually Nova stuff, a couple of my closer friends. And there were some kind of, I still remember seeing them sit up in the middle and they were wearing just average clothes you know no logos on them just yeah. trying to be neutral but a very weird experience but again i think it's just more proof to the system um it's garnered a lot of attention it always had legs but far more so since the national championship game and you know guys like coker i think right now it's we're one two three and four in the country and scoring us um nova southeastern west liberty university and coker university are one two three four and not just scoring but a handful of categories so it's very strange very wow. weird. Even, again, even for me. I mean, sometimes I take myself out of it. Like, I don't even know how this works sometimes myself, you know. <laughs> well, that's like me with doing surgery. I'm like, I'll, I'll take a step back. I'm like, what the hell are we doing? Yeah. We're cutting these people. We're chopping the ends of their bones off and we're putting metal and plastic in there. Like, can you imagine the first surgeon that decided to do this? But it wasn't metal. It was like wood. Sure. And the patient. How did you convince this patient that, hey, let me cut you open. Sure. I'm going to whack the ends of your bones off because your knee hurts really bad. Sure. Um, and I'll make it feel better because I'm going to put these materials in there. Like, sign me up. No, thank you. Sure. Right? Like, exactly let me see right. the success first. But, like, there's obviously a lot of success. So what's it like for, like, your dad or some of your other, you know, people that grew up around you coming to watch you with this style of play? Are they like, what are you doing? Or do they just know enough that yeah. it works? I mean, I think the first answer to that question is, like, what it's like is probably very rewarding for them. But... Not as rewarding for them it is for me. There's nothing cooler to me than like watching my high school buddies who now have kids and their their boys are on the ride. I'm getting texts constantly from, you know, Astorino texts me a picture of his son Brooks and his son Brooks got the Gannon poster on his wall. Like that stuff is far more rewarding. You know, Tino got 13 autographs that night. There, is, it's is up in his room. Up, up in his up. room. Yeah, and that stuff like that to me is far more rewarding than, you know, than the flip of it. But um I, I do. I think they've seen it long enough. Like they followed my career at West Liberty, and then they followed. So it wasn't like, Nova. Like, what is this? It's kind of like it, they know what we do now. Yeah, and this is what they. This is the brand of basketball they like to watch and follow. But I'm just. Is your dad like watching it? Oh yeah, yeah. I is think it kind of is it kind of tough for him though? Because it's know, like I probably should ask him the question. I'm not sure I've ever asked him. I think I should say 
you like, would you rather us play a different way? And he might answer yes. You know, yeah. he's so he is so traditional and maybe a little bit different. But again, he saw so much success, guys like him and Bill Hager, that they played a different way. But there was a thousand different ways to win. Yeah, and they that's more than one way to skin a cat, right? Correct. So like. Is this the way that he would do it now if he had to start all over again? I don't know. I've never asked him a question. I might have to ask him when I see him. Yeah. But um, we interrupt this episode of Hey Saw Bones to surprise Coach Jordan Fee. He has never asked his father the question, so we decided to go ahead and ask his dad the question but for it's him. It's a fun way to play, and it's fun for the players. I think uh, it's a fast-paced way to play, and a lot of teams can't play that way. And I know we did it. You know, at Maplewood, we pressed teams and put pressure to basketball. And and uh, I know Bill and I went to Bobby Knight's clinics. And even though they were not a pressing team, they still pressured the basketball in the half court. And it was a lot about defense. Bobby Knight's team holding holding teams under 50 points a game. This is a totally different style. And, it's, and even though they score a lot of points, they're really their emphasis is, is on their defensive pressure. And uh, really trying to up tempo style, and, and it's about creating more possessions. And uh, and uh, I've seen teams, you know, when when Jordan was an assistant with Crutchfield, uh, I've watched teams, you know, hang, 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 and then they would just collapse, you know, and then all of a sudden there'd be like a you know 10 0 run, and it would go from 10 to 20 in, in a heartbeat, and uh, and the bottom would kind of fall out. So that's kind of the the style and the, and the idea of the thing, and. Like I said, it's a fun way to play for the players. And uh, if you get the right kind of guys in that system, it can be very successful. And then the three-point line totally changed the game. And to add to what Jordan is doing and uh, what he's, his coach did for years, you know, amazing, and won the national championship last year, Division Two, is they shot a ton of threes. And then plus the full court man-to-man pressure, I think is just tremendous. But this is years ago, Jordan went to West Lib, played for Crutchfield, and I'd go down with Don and we'd even go to some practices and some games. And we were amazed at the pressure they put on and the shooting of the threes. And Nick was at Bethany coaching and they scrimmaged West Lib one time. And Crutchfield got his team there an hour before the game. And all they did for an hour was shoot threes. I said, wow, no wonder they're so darn good at, at shooting the threes. But I think the three-point line and their full-court pressure, I think their full-court pressure is tremendous. And back in when Jordan was playing for him and then assistant, that I put more emphasis on pressing and uh, ran a lot of – I mean, we pressed every day in practice, and then we'd always put the JVs up 15, eight minutes on the clock, and now we're going to – we're going to try to come back and every point we come back and won by the JVs had to run half of a suicide, but you know, Don and I go way back. We, he was my assistant back at Maplewood, got the phys ed job and we had a lot of fun coaching together. And then he broke my heart and left and went to Grove city, you know, and became uh, the head coach down there. And then I went temporarily insane, took a job in Jamestown, New York, and then finally got back to Pennsylvania in a year and coached at Franklin. Then we went to head to head a few times, you know, we had a lot of fun coaching uh, against each other. And so it was, it was good stuff. Oh, I, I hadn't had so much fun coaching with you for those eight years. I'd have had a lot more wins at the varsity level, maybe. 
<laughs> I'd have left a little earlier, huh? <laughs> I think there's times where he probably feels like, boy, this is, it looks undisciplined and these shots kind of, these shots are kind of wild and you're flowing strictly off of momentum. Yeah, when I was seeing you know? some of these shots, like 10 feet behind the free front, I'm like, like, what are these guys doing? You know, <laughs> they're just chucking shots, but there's a, there's a method to it. And our guys, and we talk about knowing the difference between a good and a great shot and great shot for one guy might not be a great shot. Yeah, it's just that, not an equal opportunity offense, you know? So, exactly. Um, Number 24, I think has a green light to pretty much, he gets over half court. It's like, if there's not a defender within three feet, yeah. is he able to shoot it? I've yet to tell him don't shoot it. He's smart enough. I trust him enough to where like, he'll make the right decision, you yeah. know? And, and if he does, if he's taking a bad one, he'll be the first to say, Hey, I could probably get a better one. I just, but again, it's part of the, I think the trust that the system breeds, there's so much unselfishness with it, right? To do it, you can't be a selfish guy. So right. through that, I think you build this congruency maybe, and you build this, um, you build a trust in one another. So I think it's like, I don't need to take this one because I'm gonna, I'll give it up. I'm going to get it back. Yeah. You know, and there's that. Right. So it's, yeah, there's no ball hogs. When I saw, I was never ever thinking like, this is the guy that's taking 80% of the shots. But um, so my next question is, I asked Jamie Plunkett this same question. You, you run a kind of a hockey style um, offense, right? It's it's lines. It's like five in, five out, five in, five out. Sure. For the most part. Sure. Um, do you balance those two lines or are you looking at this line and saying, well, this guy and this guy play really good together because they kind of know each other. Like those Jordan Pippen, they knew... Th uh, Mahomes, Kelsey. Yeah, that that you played again with players, and my point sure. guard and I in high school were on the same wavelength. Sure, he, I knew where he was. He'd be looking that way, and I'm yep. like, I gotta have my head on a swivel, and I knew where to go. I knew how the ball was coming to me. He knew how I liked it. Are you matching guys up? Are you balancing the lineup up? Are you putting your best five in your first five? How do you do that? It's a little bit of um, just trial and error. You know, it really is. I think the the, the easy way to answer would be it's a bit of balance, right? But it's definitely telling these guys, like I'm telling these guys, I'm looking for five guys that complement one another. Um, a lot of times in the first wave, like we'll call them waves, like the first wave, um, you want guys that can get out of the gate. So you want a really, really good pressing group. We've had in the past, not so much on this group, but we've had in the past a couple guys that we felt like weren't our strongest defenders, but they were lethal scorers. And sometimes, although they may be one of our best five players, we didn't They're, start them. Yeah. We can sneak them in, sneak them in a few minutes into the game when the other, the opponent's tired. And you can kind of, like, 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 you know, maybe a six man in the NBA, you can sneak that guy in yeah. for just a injection of any other team. He's probably their star. Edge. Correct. Yeah. So, so yeah, it's a give and take. Like, for instance, I give an example. We've got uh, four older guys. We have four graduate transfers this year, and there's three of them on the first wave, and one of them's on the second wave. And the guy that's on the second wave is a he's a phenomenal player and kid, but he's a guy I that I felt players. like he's a big time communicator, and there's a lot of nuances that he can he can cover. So he's kind of like that the aren't leader of that. Yeah, and he's just like he can get loose a little bit. He's a great offensive threat, so I kind of feel like him with that second group a little bit. He's got some more freedom to be more of who he is yeah. right and it's he's a good separator whereas some of the other guys are maybe more of connectors with that first group so it's but it's constantly it's it's changed and evolved um but it's you know i would say this it's never part of the depending on the year we've played this we call it the platoon system so 
some years we've done this where we've got you five got two names right now the platoon and the system well the system is the system the platoon is the five and five out oh okay got it so platoon system is five and five out and with platooning you know it's it definitely gives you some of what you talked about but it can it, it can take away sometimes from keeping your best seven eight guys on the court so we've also sometimes transition away from that it's a whole lot i'll tell you this it's a whole lot easier to coach when you're when you're just playing seven or eight guys it just is on a coach right you're trying to make these decisions it's easier when you kind of know like all right i've got these three guys to fill these two spots this yeah. one and two if you want to call them that and yeah. i've got these three guys fill these two spots and then whatever i've got these two guys are interchangeable at the five or whatever yeah. that might be it's easier to coach that way a little tougher when you're doing this and all of a sudden you're like it's not working we need to break off and do something else yeah. and then you're trying to figure out okay which parts are gonna yeah make you, it work. You, are you like okay I got this line, this line. Yeah. Is that what you're calling them? Or waves? We call them waves. So this yeah. wave and this wave is kind of generally how we start in our second crew. Um, it's not working. Do you, Are you like, all right, I'm going to take three from this first and two from the second, yeah. even though the two were just out there? Yep. And they're probably tired? Yeah. Is that after a timeout? Yeah, it's the same thing you would do. Because you can't just do it without a timeout. Because you're changing your system. We have. <laughs> it's, it's just a complete feel thing. It really is. And I've been fortunate to be around it so long now that like, like you would have a feel in the operating room, it's a total feel thing. It really, you're is. like abort. Yeah, or is this working? Or or it's the opposite. It's like you know, so many guys who want to adopt the system, and there's thousands of them. In the, and I'm so humbled when they reach out to whomever it is, the, any of us that do it, they want to adopt the style, and then they start to do it, and it's very uncomfortable, right? And I've been I've been in, in it around it long enough to where I know sometimes. I can feel maybe the body blow. Sure. I can maybe feel the body blows um, that it's producing that you may not be able to feel as the casual fan. But all of a sudden, second half, thank you, sir. Yeah. Second half, you know, we, it's a tie ball game until the six minute mark of the second half. And all of a sudden, we go on a, a quick 12 to two mini run because they're absolutely gassed and tired. And it's just that we call them blackouts, but it's that one mini blackout where. So is that your run? Yeah, a blackout so would be a run when like it gets you're, crazy. If, if you're the one doing the running, correct. And it's a blackout. It's a quick. You know, you you can barely remember what happened, and it's just a, a just a quick. Uh, it, you know, and blackouts can be different. Sometimes it's a five zero run. I've seen. You know, we've had thirty two runs with that have blackouts that have spanned through timeouts called and such. Wow. Um, but it's. It's a remarkable way, but I'm genuinely just a lucky guy that fell into a right spot at the right time, adopted this thing, and then I've been fortunate enough thus far to have a group of guys that are just like hyper willing to do it and want to win. And I, I now think that probably the thing we've got going for us is they they know that this is the way for us. If we're going to win, it's going to be because yeah. we do this really well. Oh, you got them in now. Yeah. You got them dialed in. So, but yeah, just a, it's a fun way to play. And the hard part, we call everything else normal basketball. So I'm a basketball junkie. I love, you know, you know, my wife and I will go to games or watch games on TV. I do like watching normal basketball, but not as much as I like watching us or Nova Southeastern or West Liberty or Coker University, Bluefield State University. So and such. this probably would never work in the NBA just because you've got too many egos, right? Um, it's funny. We, we've had, so we've been super fortunate. Again, kind of being a, just a, uh, a part of the system, I've been afforded so many cool opportunities. We had um, Eric Spolstra had come down and he actually came down twice and brought his whole staff. Wow. And 
So Spolster comes down and to to like learn a little bit about the system. Yeah, we, well, that's the question. That's I really still, freaking cool. I don't know how to answer. So he he brought up his whole staff. He brought up Karan Butler, and oh, I forget his name. His other assistant that played at Notre Dame and his whole staff. Was Haslam um, there? Because he was like a Haslam didn't coaching come. assistant, right? Was it Kyle? What is, the heck is his name? The shooter that was at Notre Dame, and now he's been Kyle Corver. No, uh, doesn't matter. But so he came up, and Brad Stevens at the time was with the Celtics, and had, okay. had invited coach to come up to a private clinic up there. So it, again, it started to gain legs. We led the country in scoring, and this podcast got out. He did a pod. He's not a podcast guy, but he did a podcast, and it started. Word started to get out, spread. The winning continued to to happen west liberty continued to win and people were like what's this secret so um i completely lost my train of thought i can't remember what the original question was but i think we're talking about like the nba just like could could the nba ever adopt this when these guys came our question was the same one you asked which is like why are these nba guys first of all what are they gonna learn from us you know these are the brightest minds in the world what are they gonna learn from us and then secondly is i'm not even sure that this would work in the league um so what can they really gain from us? And a lot of what they want to know, which is, and again, other college coaches, Larry Nega came up and spent the day with us. Dusty May of Florida Atlantic had us up to scrimmage. Wow. And he's probably asking questions. And like, there's not a real secret to it. You know, it's, it is kind of, you see what you see. And there's nuances and stuff that like, that we probably don't share. Yeah. But, you know, it is what you see. I mean, I mean is, is, are your practices just like a ton of conditioning? We play more than the average team, but I'm also very... Um, aware and my boss was always very aware of like the the burnout factor and the wear out factor so we're very cognizant of that i think the best thing we did throughout the year last year was we were still lifting three and sometimes four days a week um throughout the season now a lot of that is just like light you're doing like a lot of prehab work and recovery you're saying as opposed to practicing when we practice it's it's a lot of live you know like the the skill develop we probably spent less time on skill development in season than some teams do, than most teams do, I'd say. Okay. But we also don't, we scout less than other teams. So we're not walking through like what we might have done in high school, right? Because it doesn't really matter, right? I mean, you're, you you're playing it, the right? system. Yeah. I mean, if there's, now there's certain things we don't want to be ignorant to it. Like we need to, I'll know everything that they do. It doesn't mean I'll share it with our guys, though. Right. Right. But so I'll give our guys far less than the next team typically. Uh, but if we do what we do and we do it really well, it matters more about the time and attention to just that than it does to our opponent. So yeah. I want to know personnel. We talk about KYP, like know your personnel. We want to know personnel, but we care far less about um, every little nuance, every set play they run, where they're yeah. going to be. How so if you're it. playing a team, have you ever gotten to a position where you're like, oh, I don't think we can do the system. We need to go back to regular basketball. Has that ever happened? Well, the night before the national championship game, we were sitting two nights before the national championship game. We were sitting there. You can imagine the feeling we're feeling, which is like the only other team that in the country at that time. So that was doing it to the level we felt like we were doing it. Um, just in all honesty, it was West Liberty. So they went a semifinal. We went a semifinal. We're sitting there in this in this uh, ballroom and we're sitting around like, what are we going to do? You know, what do we do? We change? Do we it, try to alter? It, it, or adjust it's like, and, you know the the best offense playing the best offense right sure. it's but it's also the best defense playing against the best defense it's your strengths are the same as theirs and they're i don't sure. know if there's a weakness per se but uh, i'm sure you could find one but it was the the you know what we came out of 
that boardroom thinking was like, we just got to do what we do really well. We just got to yeah. do it better than them on that day, yeah. you know? Um, and tomorrow they may do it better than you, but like it's, that's what we do. You can't so reinvent can't yourself for now. one day. Yeah. Right? So do we adjust? Yeah. I mean, have there been times where you've gotten away from it? Have we played zone? It's whatever is going to work, you know, whatever is going to work, meaning whatever is going to win. Um, if that means playing five guys for 40 minutes and playing a zone, we'll do that. But it's not what we're trained to do. It's not what we're, we're at least well, you're seven and oh, right? So, we are. and yeah. you have, have you had to go away from, again, and have you had to ever go away from the system? Slightly, we, we had one game where slightly we went to like a, we varied the pressure and kind of where was it that came the from. Miller finals? It was, yeah. I didn't make it that night. I was at the yeah, game before. Big physical team with really good guards. I just guards. saw that the score was yeah. under 100. Yep. Not far off under 100, but right. it was close. Correct. So we, we varied it just a little bit. Um, but again, even in that game, if you go back and watch it, like the body blows of the system eventually they gave us just enough of you didn't notice it early on but i think they paid dividends down the stretch where i love that analogy that boxing yeah, analogy it is yeah because you can only really, take so many hits right and it just wears on them and again it's just something that you can't see necessarily with your eyes unless you've been a part of it and kind of notice certain nuances like I'll, I'll watch guys and i can see just their their body language and how it changes i can feel a defense maybe the first possession of the game when they're guarding us and I can feel the, um, you know, the velocity or whatever you want to call it, like how ferocious it is. And then you can fast forward. I look at it like we're five minutes in the second half, and I'm like, this isn't the same defense that I felt that first possession yeah. of the game. Why is that? You yeah, or, or sometimes the first possession you feel apprehension because sure. I would think if I was playing against your team, my I, I'd be scared. <laughs> I would be because you know what's coming, and you're like, shit. Yeah. This isn't going to be that, like, I can relax on defense. I can do this. I can do that. There's right. no relaxing in your style of play. If we're doing it right. Yeah, if we're doing it right. Right. Uh, God, I mean, just getting the ball in, right? Like, that that would be, again, that's panic time for a lot of sure. offenses. And there's ways to break the press, obviously. But the intense you guys are going at. And then if they turn the ball over, they know you guys are coming hard and fast. So it's sure. like, shit, I don't even get a break for a millisecond to like gather my thoughts of like, I just turned the ball over. Usually it's like, all right, they're going to set their offense up now. You sure. guys are coming down and shooting within what, what's your average shot lock, shot oh, clock? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know that we'd ever gathered any analytics uh, on it. It's I, I bet quick. you it's, you'd use less than 10 yeah. seconds. I know this sometimes when like, you know, if, if let's say we drag it out for whatever reason, team has a good defensive stand and we get out like with under 10 seconds, I can feel the, you know, I can feel our guys and how uncomfortable they are. You know, but it's like, fellas, we still got 10 whole seconds. We got a third of the shot. Yeah, they're clock, just not still. used to that, right? They're not used it's to like that. It's like the opposite. They're shooting day. while there's, is it a 35 second? It's 30, yeah. 30. So they're, they're just very It, it barely ne never makes it to 20. Uh, we actually had our first, uh, let's see, do we have it? We had a shot. We had our first shot clock violation of the year. Uh, was it at, at East Stroudsburg? And how many suicides did you make them run for that? <laughs> no, no, none of those, but. We, uh, yeah, it's just, a, it's different. It's a different style. Um, I'm not surprised that you're kind of enamored with it. And I appreciate the fact you are because I am too. You know, I am too. Yeah. And I'm a fan of it. I really am. Like, it's fun to watch and script. And, and again, it's also why I struggle. Like, I have a lot of friends in coaching who they want to have coaching conversations. And like, if we want to talk strategy, I struggle to have conversations with guys that aren't playing this way because it's so non-traditional. Yeah. You know what I mean? Not good or bad one way or another. It's just my interest now is 
this. Yeah. This style. I want to talk about this in the present. Yeah. And angles and the tiny little nuances of it as opposed to, and it might be of like, you know, if you're a doctor and I want to be only in the specialty, I want to only, I want to work pediatric, whatever, you know, and the same sort of So again, of I'm a hip and knee surgeon. Sure. So for me to like sit back and listen to somebody talk about how they do a, a rotator cuff repair, it's like, I don't do that, yeah. right? Um, I appreciate it. Sure, absolutely. Right. And it's necessary and it's beautiful in its own right, but it's just not what I do. So like I'm sitting down and grabbing a beer with guys that are um, running the system with the orthopedics and we're, and we're exactly doing a ton right. of hip yeah, and knees awesome. in a day. And it's just like my, it's my lane. It's awesome. Right? So, you found your lane. Correct. Yeah, you're exactly right. So, so yeah. I love the system, dude. I appreciate it. I and, do. And I, I, like you, you, I, I, really I do. say keep it up because I know you're going to keep it up, but some personal stuff. Sure. Yeah. So, um, Again, I know where you grew up because mm -hmm. I grew up in the same type of area. Sure. Um, you went to Grove City. Um, do you know Luke Laird? Well. Yeah, I figured yeah. Um, he and I are the same age. Yeah. So he's obviously super successful now for I'd those say. of you that don't yeah. know who Luke is. Originally from Conneaut Lake, I think shortly after your dad uh, took the job in Grove City, he transferred, moved down there. He mm -hmm. uh, was a great basketball player. I remember going to Edinburgh basketball camp and – uh, Luke was super talented on the basketball court, but even more talented, he would bring his guitar. And late at night, we'd go and we'd sit in Luke's room because Luke was going to play guitar. And sure. He was amazing. The songs he'd play and the sing-alongs we would do, it was so sure. much fun. And now Luke is one of the number one um, songwriters in country music in the world Yeah, and has several number one uh, hits that he wrote for different artists. Um, but... Jay, if you could put just like a little list right here. Jay's the guy that edits this for me of of Luke Laird's accomplishments with his his songwriting. I'm not sure you'd be able to fit it on that screen. I'll tell you that. Yeah. I, it just it's incredible what Luke's done. I think he's actually playing, um, you know, play his guitar. I think and sing at my brother's wedding in August. Oh my gosh! Because be cool. he's so down. My brother's in, in Chattanooga. And yeah. He's in, but Luke's, Luke's been in. yeah. Luke babysat us when we were young. I'm sure we were rascals and wild. Whatever he got paid probably wasn't enough chasing us around. That's for sure. But we still got, he used to, same thing, we still got tapes somewhere. I remember listening to one specifically, and this is the song that, I'll have to remind Luke of this, but he had a singing, um, James Taylor, Carolina in my mind, the song. Oh, yeah. And we recorded it. He was babies. He must have been recording us. So he's singing it, and I'm kind of singing in the background, and we're singing with them, and He's recording it. I mean, he's just, a, but he's a neat you know special what? guy. If you can man, find that, I'll try. Maybe get some of that to Jay and he can put that in this podcast. Yeah, let me see if I can find it. I mean, if anybody's got it, my mother's probably got it somewhere, but he's a, yeah, special guy. I mean, talk about a guy from a small town that never forgot um, his roots. And that's, you know, I strive to be I love that kind like of stuff, that. right? Yeah, like I never forget where I, you know, Grove City is home, always will be. People I grew up with. That's salt of the yeah, earth kind yeah, of people, yeah, right? yeah, just hard yeah, workers, yeah. blue collar. Very much so. So yeah. um, I got to get Luke on here at some point, but I was yeah. down in Nashville a couple of years ago. Uh, one of the companies I use, orthopedic implants, their U.S. headquarters, it's a Swiss company, but their U.S. headquarters is now in Nashville. Wow, and okay. I, I literally, I can't remember how I got Luke's number, but I texted him. I said, hey, Luke, Ryan Molly. Um, you know, I, I kind of explained, he knew who I was, but it was like, well, Ryan Mullen, where did this come from 20-some, 30-some sure, years later? Sure. And I was like, hey, I'm in Nashville. Um, was just wondering if you'd like to meet up for a drink. He's like, I'm out of town right now. He's like, anytime you're back, please give me a heads up. Would love to reconnect at some point. So, um, But that's what I, I like. love celebrating other people's success. Because yeah. 
it, it it means a lot, but it also like helps to get me energized. And it's like, 100%. it motivates me. Cause I'm like watching what other people I'm doing, like bring that energy, take it and put it out into what I do. Yeah. hundred percent. It's very self. You're obviously a selfless guy, but I'll, I'll reciprocate. I'll be cheering for you. I'll be, I'm already a fan, but I think there's something to be said for that. Right. There's something to be said for like, too, there's too much negativity in this world yeah. right now, right? And and why do we need to like hate other people sure. when you can celebrate other people like their good qualities or bad qualities? But like, especially when you meet exceptional people, and that that's what I have. This this podcast has been by far and away the most fun project cool. I've done in 15 years because I get to sit and talk to people that maybe I've met and thought I knew, like my best friend, learn more about him, and then people like yourself, I've never really met you. Or spent any yeah. significant time with you, and I yeah. have so much more newfound like respect and knowledge about who you are, what you do, and what makes you tick. Yeah, like the system. So, my personal question first first one is, um, if you weren't what you what you are now, a coach and a student of the game, um, what would you do, and where would you do it? Like, where would you live? Well, two-part answer. The first would be um, my dream. I'm not sure it's realistic or not, but my dream um, would be to be in the fishing industry, would be to be probably a fisherman in the Florida Keys somewhere and maybe run a fishing charter or something like that. Wow. Um, in the Florida I would Keys. never pick you as a fisherman. Yeah, and, and I'm not really. You know, that's kind of a, when I retire, I think that's what I want to do. Okay. Um, but I've loved to fish since I grew up, and I got to do some of it not as much as I'd like. It's hard to have a, I'm sure like you, it's just, it's hard to find time for a hobby, you know? Yeah. Um, but if I could choose one, it'd be that one. You know, it's, I always say fishing's the only thing I love more than basketball. You know, wow. I just don't get a chance to do it. And I, well, now if, you're up on Lake Erie. I mean, in the summer, yeah. you're going to have to get out there and eventually get a boat of your own. You're and, exactly um, right. Yeah. So that would be the make first. it happen. Second would be the competitive um, side of me, I think maybe something in sales, you know, I think that might be a little bit more realistic, but like, I think something in sales would, um, scratch that competitive itch. So probably yeah. something in sales. Awesome. Yeah. So you grew up mom, dad, your brother, uh, Johnny. Yeah. Um, what are some of the, the most fond memories that you have growing up in Northwest Pennsylvania, sure. whether it was maybe some summer traditions that you would do, um, you know, did you go to Connie at like park? Sure, sure. Did you do this? What, what what are some of the best memories you have of your family and growing yeah. up in Northwest Pennsylvania? I appreciate you asking the question. We, we, I have this vivid memory of, of driving home when we were really young, we were doing this when we were really young, driving home from Edinburgh and we would be with the, the Edinburgh crew, the Stoffers, I don't know if you're the Stoffers, but the Jans, Astrinos, excuse me, Tom and Linda Moore and a lot of people that are still in Edinburgh. And we, would go up there and they, um, we'd have Christmas Eve up there and we'd drive home late at night. And my dad would be driving and we'd be, uh, my mom would have us, my brother and I look for Santa. You know, we'd be looking up at the stars and we're trying to figure out where Santa's sleigh was. And I, that's something that's very this vivid. Is so fitting coming so, into Christmas, too. right? And, and when it was, so when it snowed for the first time the other day, remember, I've been down there almost a decade. It snowed for the first time where I live in Summit Township. We got like probably 13, 14 inches. And it was immediately took me back to that time. Strange how that stuff works sometimes. Something yeah. you never forget. But did it make you feel like you're in the right place? Yeah, at this it did. point in your life. Yeah, it did. Yeah, and I know that we are. Um, but again, prayed a lot on it before we, 
you know, took the job. And I do believe that this is where we're supposed to be right now. And I feel very fortunate to be around a lot of people that love us and a lot of people whom we love. But that for sure, my parents were just good people. My parents were just awesome parents. They they were very strict on us and they were they were tough on us. But at the same time, they allowed us to grow and flourish. And we had a lot of traditions. You know, we would go in the summer with close family friends in Grove City. We'd always go to the Outer Banks. So it was a summer tradition. The Outer Banks, a lot of the stuff that we did was geared around basketball, um, as you can imagine. So my dad would take the same thing. We'd go to the state championships. We'd go, um, you know, we'd have certain get-togethers after. We always had a, a holiday tournament at Christmas. My parents were great entertainers, and they were great connectors, and they wanted community and people to be taken care of. So they'd invite everybody to the house after our annual Christmas tournament, you know, at, at Grove City High School, Everybody beat the house. So that and a million more things. But do you take any of those qualities from your parents? Yeah, I try do, to. Do Boy, like it's funny how you, you know, the older you get, you look back and you realize just how they do it. I mean, just phenomenal yeah. people, you know, and it's probably spent all our childhood kind of button heads with them. But then you, the, the more you, you start grow to appreciate mature, it, right? Boy, it's like how they, how they, how they juggle it all. And, and then you look at my mother sometimes, it's like, I mean, she's got me and my brother and my father, and we're all, we were button heads because we're all, you know, jockeying for position on a team, whether it's my brother and I, my dad's trying to handle it all and he's trying to be the mediator. And then she's just trying to say, it's not, there's more to this life than, than this game too. But, um, but yeah, they're just phenomenal people and they, they create a lot of tradition uh, for us with us. But that's why I say like, I hope to, for us to be able to kind of establish some roots and then, and have the same thing with our, with our future kids, but super lucky to grow up. Um, where we grew up, when we grew up, with the type of people that we were surrounded with. And you talk about, you use the words, you know, grit, blue collar, yeah. and salt of the earth. And that's kind of like, that's what my parents were and are and their friends alike. I, I wouldn't have it any other way. Sure. Literally, I would not have it any other way. You, you look at some people that grew up in the cities and this and that. Like, I love where I grew up. Used to have to ride my bike over to Nathan Hager's house. He was my closest friend three miles away. Sure. Um, but... Um, <laughs> Yeah, so I'm going to ask a question. I I think I know the answer. Maybe this is like rumor. Maybe it's not. So my parents are always like, yeah, so Johnny, your brother, he was named after Johnny Burchard because your, um, your dad really liked the style of Johnny's ball. And, and by the way, I think Johnny Burchard would have fit into the system quite well. Would he? Oh, yeah. Johnny Burchard just stopped in the office a few weeks ago. Um, yeah, I'm sure he's becoming a fan. I don't of know yours. if we've got Johnny to a game yet. We'll have to get Johnny Burchard to a game, but I, I don't. But I'll. But I'll let you continue. Was that part of the? Was that the? Well, it was just a. a, a am I correct? Was your brother? Uh, there's the second part is, I think you're named after my my guy. I wish I was named after our guy. We figured while we had Don on the call, we might as well ask this question also. <laughs> well, Jordan yeah, named after. Ahead. I think Jordan possibly came from Michael Jordan, but but uh, Johnny was named after my father. <laughs> not definitely not, not after Johnny Burchard, although he's a Hall of Famer in his own right back in the Maple days. <laughs> and maybe I don't mind. Michael's son is Nathan. He's not named after Johnny Burchard. <laughs> And the youngest son is Nick, and he's not named after Johnny Burchard. Johnny was a great player for us, though, and he's a character and still a good friend. He's something else. Um, 
Michael our, our Jordan, guy. our guy, for so sure. So is that your guy too? Absolutely, without oh, question. Fantastic. I'm only a little bit jealous that you're a few years older than me enough to be able to fully appreciate it, but I've got all the video. And, I've, and I, I still have recollection of, obviously, a lot of, like, I remember them, jazz, whatever that, what year was in the playoffs. And I remember, I have vivid yeah, memories. So, well, I'm just going to go through the six real quick okay. with you, okay? Number one was against the Lakers. Yeah. It was 91. 92 was against the Blazers. Okay. Um, Clyde Drexler, them, yeah. Terry Porter. Yeah. Um, number three was that was the second one was 92, 93, 93, 94 was the Suns. So against Barkley, that's a good team. And, and that was, Johnson, yeah, that was Marley. Dan Marley, the yeah. Thunder Dan. That was the best chance that Charles ever had. And he won the MVP that year. Wow, and Jordan was really pissed off that he won that. That that was coming off the 92. Who else Olympics. did they have beside Kevin Johnson, Marley? Who else? Um, I can't think of anybody else that they would have. Oh, yeah, why am I why am I drawing a blank on this right now? We'll, we're going to look it up once okay. we're done here, and maybe Jay put the the two rosters. Then obviously Jordan dad dies, um, goes into retirement, plays baseball for a year and a half, comes back. You know, um, Mick Anderson from the Magic, who beat them and eliminated them, had the had the balls to say number forty five is not nearly as good as number twenty three was, and then that was all Jordan needed. He's like. Screw it. I was gonna say the F word, but screw it. Bring it out of the rafters. I'm putting 23 back on, and then the next year went on to dominate. Um, that was the 70s or the Supersonics, 96. Um, they won their first championship with the second three peat. Dennis Rodman was part of that team. Yeah. Bill Wennington was part of that team. Um, Steve Kerr was part of that team. He was the new John Paxson. Yep. And then the last two, it was against the um, the Jazz. Byron Russell. Stockton, Malone, Malone. yeah, um, Hornacek, uh, Jeff Hornacek. He, he was one of my favorite. They always had him guard Jordan. Yeah, right. I mean, he he guarded Jordan. That fast so those are the ones that I remember the most. A Antoine Carr had the the orange Carr, goggles. Remember yeah, him? Yeah, sure. Um, Who was the tall? They had the tall white guy with the uh, kind of the military cut. No, like oh yeah, 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 yeah. Greg Ostertag. Greg Ostertag. Yep. Yeah, they had Ostertag. So that's kind of my vivid memories. I don't know. That I was named after Jordan. I don't think I was. You know? Really? Maybe I should start to claim it. I know. I know. I don't know that Did I was. Did you ever ask your parents? I, I think that I have, and I think the answer is no. But I'm not so sure it wasn't prevalent enough at the time where I should maybe react. So that was it. a Maplewood rumor. Okay. That was a Maplewood rumor, and that's what I was always told. Johnny was Johnny Burchard. And I don't know that Johnny was Johnny Burchard, but I'm not sure I've ever asked about Johnny. I, I'm not, again. Ask that question. I'll ask again. Okay. You know how time, sometimes time takes away memories, but I'll I'll ask again, but... I'm pretty sure I wasn't surprisingly, and and I don't know that my brother was either. But yeah. So um, what you, you mentioned, you love to fish. Sure. But what do your wife and you like to do? We what, love what are your, like yeah. pastimes and hobbies. Yeah. Well, we 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 love spending time together because we don't get a ton of it. Yeah. You know, she is a and hardworking and so successful in her own right, and just you know is committed to her work. So it's just the time is awesome. But we've got a we've got a golden retriever. We've got a four-year-old golden retriever so we like to we like to walk you know down there we lived a mile from the beach so walk them to the beach but we're foodies you know we like to we like to eat so we love to go to dinner and try new spots it's our favorite thing to do all right so we're going to go to that okay. next but um by far and away it's our favorite thing to do i mean we we're getting, we love Karen to, and i yeah we, we are foodies love it we, we would love to we'll have you know we like to to we spend a ton of time sometime. i'd love together. to we'd love to when, we spend a ton of time researching like where we're going to go, what the spot's about, 
and it's we talk about it and i think sometimes we get into the hype of it um and then we go and so that was the i'll say this there's some great food spots that we've been to in erie already okay let's get them right now okay well that might but the but what i was gonna say was it was a tough adjustment coming from South Florida with so many people and so many. Oh, the volume of the, great the, restaurants there oh, compared man. to here oversaturated. Is, but yeah. so we've been. Let's see. I'll tell you. I'll tell you where we've been thus far. We've been to to Skunk and Goat Tavern. Okay. Out in out in um, northeast. Yeah, northeast. Yep. yep. It's a good really, vibe. Really solid, good vibe ambiance. Food was good. Service was good. Um, we've been to the cork a handful of times I was gonna say that's kind of a, a good staple you're yeah. not going to get a, a bad meal at the cork right it was do you get the the himalayan sea salt with your steak on it we i'm not sure we've had steak there and i'm not sure that we did um when we get the last time we've been there we've got a we're kind of sometimes we'll do a lot of apps we'll, we'll do a lot yeah. of apps and then split an entree by the time we've ordered our five apps we're not yeah. so hungry for our entree and split an entree but Done the cork a few times. I could tell that can be that, that might be a staple. Yeah. Um, we've been down to the the oyster, yeah. oyster bay bar, house, the bay house. So John Melody, do you know John yet? I don't know John. I don't. So think, John was a podcast guest. Okay. You'll have to watch his episode. Okay. Great guy. He was the soccer coach at Mercier's when I was there. Okay. Um, super successful. I wow. mean, they went to the final four wow. for for D two soccer. Wow. My freshman year. Mm. Um, it's a good time. Mercier's our hockey team was D one. Wow, went to the Frozen Four. Played that? Michigan, wow. University of Michigan in the How Frozen Four, wow. and lost three to two. That was my that was my senior year. But um, yeah, John Melody restaurateur owns Bay House. So what else is on your list? We've been to uh, Miscusi. Yep, solid. We've not been to Pepino's, but we've so that's heard. that's the one. That's the one. Yeah, I've, that's I've the heard. one. Yeah. And, but you're going to go out there with Drew. We're, yeah, we're waiting on, we're waiting on yeah. Astrina. They've you're got three kids. They're you're you're going to get treated busy, great so. regardless of who you go with. But if you go with Drew. <laughs> I think these probably, they're probably the guys that Jordan and Drew are probably the ones to go with. But, um, so we're looking forward to that and, and everything else in between. You have but. not named the one that I was like thinking. I'm was, anxious to hear. I haven't been here long enough to, you know, back long enough to, to probably know I'm not the guy. Any other ones? Um, yeah, let's see. We've been uh, Oliver's. Yeah, not bad. Yeah, great ambiance. I think. Yeah, great ambiance of the best views of any restaurant yeah. in Erie. They've got it. I mean, you're on the top yeah. floor of the great hotel. spot to take recruits. That's for sure. Um, I'm pr- I've probably missed a few, but been to the Erie Club. Been to the Erie Club. Yeah, yeah, that, that's Good like spot. private. Yeah, uh, but nice. Very nice. Great meals. What am I missing? What's the best? Oh, man. It's just down from the cork. Bar Ronan. Been there. Really good. Yeah. Actually, shocking that I didn't say this because surprisingly one of the best burgers I've ever had. So I was there there last night. The Lucy Burger. So so, so there was five of us there and my buddy Travis, who you know Travis. I had a work dinner last night with Trav. Um, New project we're working on. Can't really spill the beans just yet, but it's really cool. Um, And three other people that had never been there and travis and i were like there's only one thing to get for it's, the it's for the entree it's incredible and i don't share my burger i'm sorry i wouldn't i wouldn't expect you to it's it's freaking amazing uh, yeah it's but who would greasy that, right? in a non like unhealthy kind of way like yeah. you almost feel like you're healthy when you're sure, eating sure, that burger yeah. um the shishito peppers is a great app Adam. um they make a good like handmade potato chip with like a dip with like a bunch of vegetables yep the 
the the the one we found last night app wise was the uh, fried chicken. They have Ooh, these little nuggets, and there's like a dip that Pretty you good. really good. Uh, and the there, pork they, belly was good. Did you pork have belly, that? We had the pork belly. Yeah, very good. Yeah. We've done the ramen there. We've done some ramen. So Tino loves the ramen. Yeah. Him and Luca will split. Split. We do like family date night. At, cool. That boys love bar ramen. That's awesome. How about that? The spot they put in next door, I think they, they own the one next door. It just yeah, went Lu- in maybe. Lu- Lucia or whatever okay, it is. Yeah, like yeah. a tapas place maybe. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I heard it's, um, I, I heard the food's good, but I heard it's just very small because you got to think of where it went in. I think that was icing on the lake okay. before, and it's just not a very it's tight. Yeah. 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 So we're foodies. That's what we do. And I appreciate you asking the question I do. We, we uh, enjoy when we have the time to be able to go out and do that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think Erie too gets a bad rap, right? It's like the mistake on the lake and, um, winters suck, but I mean, it's, it's all what you make of it. Right. And the summers in Erie, even the falls, I think are some of the best anywhere in the country I couldn't, or, or the world for that matter. Couldn't agree more. I mean, I just think a lot of, and obviously you can imagine as we're, we're recruiting, we're, we're flying these guys in and we're kind of touring them around the city and the university and right. And like, we're telling them about, here's what the city's about. Here's the transition that maybe the city's going through a little bit, but here's some of the stuff that they've got like cooking it in the hopper. Yeah. It's amazing. I, th- I, I think you, I, I think, I mean, give this place a couple of years, especially a lot of the stuff downtown and the revitalization. Oh, that they're, they're doing, doing a town. Great, I mean, it's great job downtown. If you think about it, there's, you know, I say it to everybody, I'm like, what this city should be. I mean, for what it offers and between Prescott and, and the Bay and the, the, now the Bay front, the cost of living, the kind of people, the quality of people, the, yeah. the restaurants, like, I wouldn't be shocked to see just an uptick in volume of people moving into the city, young professionals. There's a lot of opportunities, and, right? Oh Especially with like the industry and yeah, um, yeah. No, I I feel the same vibe, and I feel like energy kind of building, especially in the downtown area. Yeah, absolutely, I feel it every day. We're fortunate to be able to work down yeah, there. Yeah, you guys are right there too. Right there in and so you go to the food court the at all? We do for like lunch. food court. Take recruits through there. Oh, that's awesome. You go through food court at you know noon on a Wednesday and take have a recruit with you. I mean, you feel like you're you know, in some, uh, you know, downtown district. I mean, that's, it's really, really. Yeah. You almost neat. don't feel like you're in Erie. Not even right? close. Yeah. But that's kind of how I felt at Bar Ronan too. Like the, the vibe there is cool. It is. Right. You almost feel like you're like, at, like in Chicago or something. Like, yeah, it's it's like, super hip. Right. Yeah. It's super hip. And a you lot got of some graffiti on the walls yeah. and it's got that Asian fusion feel. It's yeah. not your classical, you know, w- restaurant in Erie, Pennsylvania. That we might be used to. Yeah. yeah. But it was really neat. I, I know. So, uh, I am again. I was born here, so I have a lot of, um, you know, I want I want this place to be just a phenomenal city to live in. It is, but it's it's also it's such an easy sell, right? It's easy to talk about yeah. because you just it, there's there's so much going on here, and it's such a cool place to be. So we are we're super fortunate to be back, and um, looking forward to continuing to explore all the the stuff that's new since we left. You hit some of the good ones, but there's a couple more that I'll share with you. You know, cool. once we go off air, I'll so take that insider information. Seventh inning sawbone shoe stretch. We chatted a little bit before we kind of went on air here. Um, love, love what you're wearing. Thanks. Uh, yeah. Obviously. So, what what are you sporting there, Jordan? So these are the Jordan Dior's. Uh, like I said, these are um, these were a, a gift. The the original. And I'll share. I, I've got to be honest. Right. I'm on the air. I've got to be honest. These aren't the real Dior's. If these were, these were the real Dior's, I probably wouldn't be wearing them out. Um, yeah. They'd, no, they'd be, be locked in a box right. somewhere. But. These were special because it was a, a buddy of mine that that um, you know helped me get these for my wedding, and I wore these the night of my wedding. So, not the most surprisingly, not the most comfortable. Maybe the real Dior's are, but 
the knockoffs that I've got aren't the most comfortable. So I'm out there on the dance floor and I could feel it a little bit, but you got to um, get into some, do you have any other Jordans? That I are, don't. Yeah. I wear a uh, lot of, what size uh, you, I wear 11s. You're yeah. Small foot. For, yeah, you're tall. Small are you foot. Six, two, six. Yeah. Six, two and a half, six, three. Okay. Yeah. I'm six. I was six, three, but I'm getting shorter. Yeah. So, but yeah, you got to get some, the, love, love the Dior's by the way. And so the funny thing is, is, um, I was down here setting up before Jordan got here and the boys were like, they've been, they've been super pumped because they thought it was a couple of weeks ago. I had to cancel one night. You had to cancel one night. So I'm super excited that we got this together. Sure. But, um, you know, they went to the game. They're like, when, when's, when's, you know, coach Jordan fee coming on? Like, that's the talk. Cause they love <laughs> that style of play. Sure. And, um, so I said, you guys go upstairs, you talk to them for a bit. I got to get everything organized down here. And Tino and, Luca come down. They're like, "Do you know what he's wearing? Do you know what kind of shoes he's wearing?" I'm like, "No, I didn't ask him." <laughs> it's kind of I want to be surprised. I'm like, he's wearing Dior's. He's wearing Dior's. I'm like, "Oh my gosh!" Just make sure you don't tell me it's a fake Dior's. But yeah, these are the fake Dior's. How about you? You got the? Are those mids? No. Those, so, so these are, are those the lows or mids? Jordan One lows. These are called the Bordeaux's, okay. right? Because they kind of look like Bordeaux wine. Yeah. And um, you know, I tried to match it with a hat, and then I I you knew what well. I was wearing here. You did well. Right. I didn't, but you did well. Yeah. So a little bit well. of the, the Gannon Burgundy, whatever you want to call that. Yeah. But um, yeah, super comfy. Um, probably one of my favorite pair, and, and you saw it, my, my collections, I think we're 49 right now, and I've got a couple pairs coming in the mail. So we'll go over 50 here in the next cool. week. I got a pair that came today. Uh, they're the reverse bred one Lowe's. So they're the kind of like the classic Jordan that they Got made the, in the movie, yep. but the reverse. So cool. where it was black, it's red. Wherever it's red, red, it was black. Cool. So yeah, really cool. So um, next thing we do is is going to be the fun part, the sawbones challenge. Did you get to watch that part? Didn't. Yeah. So this is the part where we actually do something like cool, fun, competitive. Okay. So you're competitive, no, I'm competitive. Up, yeah. the, like, this is good. It's like getting ready to go uh -huh. now. So you saw a little bit of what we got going out there in yeah. the sport court area. Sure. So um, we, we got options. Okay. We, we can either do pig or something like that on the, the breakaway hoop. Okay. The papa shot over in the corner. Okay. Bill Hager and I, we did that one. You know, that was the only sawbones challenge. Well, actually, that was when I was recording it, um, the, the memory file went corrupt. Okay. So like it didn't record and I was like, I beat him. <laughs> I beat coach Bill Hager and you know, he's lefty and he's yeah. got an arthritic elbow from his days of pitching and, okay. and I beat him. It was close. I think it was 10 to eight. Okay. Um, so we've got that. We've got NBA jam over in the corner. Never done that one, but I'm feeling like pig or something. Is well, I'll tell you what, you got me a little nervous. I was never a great shooter, you know, and you're talking about your shooting ability. So I'm a little bit nervous about horse. I could get a little creative maybe and try to figure if I can do something that you can't do. But a Papa shot is a little different because it's, it's not a normal shot. It's more about like rhythm and, yeah. and touch. Um, so I'm game so for I'll, I'll tell you, I'll tell you a Papa shot. It's not the the traditional game where you're timed. What we've done just to make it a little less chaotic, because when I go pop a shot, I'm just gonna be honest. I become a bit of an asshole. <laughs> and, and, and then and you I, and I are wrestling on the floor, yeah. shoulder to shoulder. We don't <laughs> yeah. want that. The camera gets knocked yeah. over. Yeah, we don't Karen want that. comes down. She's yeah. yelling, "What are you guys doing?" <laughs> um, no, it's uh, I go right, left, right, left. I'm just like volume shooter. Okay. And it's just like I'm gonna make more than you because I'm shooting more than you. Yeah. 
it's it's uh, and I'm stealing the ball from you and you're just not liking me at the end of it. So what we do is we do first one to make 10 but we alternate shots. Makes sense. Yeah. So it's, it's uh, Well, let's go a little let's go pig. Let's go to, pig. Want to do pig? Let's go pig. Coming up, pig. The Albones challenge. <laughs> Hang in there. Ladies and gentlemen, Welcome to the main event. All right, everybody, Sabon's Challenge. We're doing the basement version again tonight. So Coach Fee decided he wants to do a little bit of pig. Yep. Right? I haven't taken any warm-up shots, right? I'm going to give you a couple. Do you need a couple? No, I don't want any. You start. All right, guests are up first. Yeah, let's go first. All right. This is pig. Pig? Yeah. We're just going to start out super super gentle here. Just a little jumper. So my tendency in this game is I, I kind of do some odes and tributes to, to greats from years past. Okay. So this is my one. This is a Kareem. Okay. Okay. So we're going to do a little bit of skybook. Okay. Right? So you got to take the ball that way, come up, and over. Uh, right? You're kind of in the archway when okay. you're doing that, too. Boy, this, is, this feels like a home court advantage to me. Yeah, maybe. That's a tough, tough shot, right? Then we're going to go Kobe. Right, so we're gonna. I feel like this here. is all planned out. He's got this. <laughs> hey, he's just playing me. He's paying me a guarantee to come here. This is like a buy game. This is called no. Buy game. This, this, is, this is what we call the system. So, <laughs> and I've got my what, what were the waves? I had my first wave. So we got P nothing. So we're gonna go Kobe. Little fade away. Gonna fake left. Come back right. Cool. Okay. Let's go. Uh, I'm stealing your thunder. Oh boy. I'm going, uh, I'm going MJ against Byron. Russell. What was oh, it? Oh, yeah. You're pushing Six, off. Seven. I'm going to go a little push off and a little snatch back. Oh, push back. Ah, oh. going to make it. I'm going to, you know what? If I fire with fire, I'm doing the same thing, but I'm going to bring it over here just a little bit. Right? So he was coming right. He's going left to right, right? Yeah. And then he cut Oh, brick. Absolute brick. Alright. I'm gonna go a little lefty scoop, a little lefty underhand scoop to mix it up a little bit. Alright. We need a little bit of action here, okay? I hope I don't break your light. <laughs> Here's my chance. All right. I gave him, I opened the door. 
more a little reverse, except your head's got to be on this side of the rim. Launch control, Houston. We're, we're clear for launch. Free throw. Don't see. Okay. Stop. Put your head on the ceiling. <laughs> I think I landed before I touched it. I was worried about your ankle. Now I'm worried about mine. everybody we're back from the sawbones challenge and jordan i just want to thank you again for taking the time i have no idea what time it is but this is going to be i think what time is it i'm not sure let's see it's uh 10 20 wow so we've been recording for a little over two hours now um i've had a couple two hour episodes this is going to be up there but um awesome fun night i want to thank you for taking the time out i know you're a very very busy guy um newly married you know, young wife, and you're new to the area, but not really because you're mm -hmm. back to the area. Um, but thank you. All right, this yeah, is fun. Well, thanks for having me. I, I appreciate you. I respect you. I respect what you do. Obviously, you're phenomenal. At, you know, at your occupation, but I also I respect far more of of your your obvious um, care and um, you know uh, want to with your family and your boys um, as a caretaker, as a man, as a husband as a father, all that stuff. So yeah, those are my, my first priorities for it's, sure. It's, it's awesome. It's awesome to see, to be able to be very successful at both, but it's awesome to see you in a light away from your occupation. And oftentimes right in ours, you may, you know, you, sometimes you, you don't get identified that. as you like, do. well, yeah. he's a basketball coach and right. they, they think that you don't have a life outside right. that same thing. I'm a surgeon and yeah, it does occupy the majority of our daily waking hours. But other than that, you have other hobbies, interests, and, sure. and this was an awesome opportunity to kind of learn more about that and really to see what makes you tick. Sure. And, you know, I always ask my guests at the end, it's like, Jordan, where do you see yourself in five to 10 years? And um, I think you're going to be one of the more unique answers because you're, you're just, you're fresh in your field and you're young and you're hungry. And I, I honestly think the sky's the limit. Um, I hope we have you here in Erie for... A while but i don't think this is your final destination i have a feeling that um i don't want to say bigger better things because that makes it sound like what you're doing is not great but i, I do think that you you you're, you're going to write your history you yeah, can well, do what you want to do i appreciate again i appreciate you asking the question i'd answer it with uh, 
in two different ways. The first is I've always been a fan of the quote of, you know, make the big time where you are. To me, there's nothing, and I've shared this with our guys, there's nothing bigger in college basketball right now than Gannon University men's basketball. Um, it's just how I feel. So it's what I'm about. It's where I want to be. Um, I'm so proud to be here. Um, again, growing up as a young guy, watching Gannon basketball games, one of my dad's um, best players ever, Josh Morgan, was a player here, and we used to sit in the nosebleeds up there at the hammer mill at the time, now the high mark, and watch games. So one, make the big time where you are, and then two, if – you know, if I ever spent um, too much time trying to forecast the future, I think I'd I'd miss what's right in the present. So yeah. I'm just I, I love it, that. It sounds like mm-hmm. a cop out answer, but it's genuinely how I live my life. You know, I don't I don't try to forecast what's in the future. And sure, you've got to you know you've got to you've got to have those thoughts at some point yeah. in time. But like I mean, right now, you know, my my goal is to coach college basketball and influence the lives of the guys I coach and make the community better around me. And get to wake up every day and and work a job, if you want to call it that, where I don't feel like I'm working. You know, I never have, and I'm I don't, I'm not sure I ever will. But if if that's what I say I want to do, and it is, then you know this maybe I'm here forever. You know, if if Gannon is is nice enough to have me forever, but um, right now I'm just again, it is make the big time where you are. That's how I feel about this place, and I um I'm right where I want to be. I Jay. That may just have to be the title for this episode. Make the big time where you are. Because um, I love that. I love the the perspective that you have, especially for a young guy. Um, you're, you're mature beyond your years for sure, just sitting and talking with you. But respecting the present and just knowing to not get too caught up in, uh, I want to get to this level. Because it's very easy to do that, no matter what profession sure. you're in, right? Like to think, I want to go here. Then I want to do this. And then my next step is this. But it's like... And and I finally, just in the past couple of years, have finally really grown very comfortable in my skin. And I'm like super comfortable where I am. And I don't see myself anywhere else from awesome. here. Um, this is my kind of forever job. I'm fortunate in that and what I've done and what I've built. But, dude, I love your perspective. Um, and by the so. way, you you have already made an impact on those young men's lives that you're coaching currently and will coach in the future and um, your energy that I see uh, now that you're not in those nosebleeds, you're, you're you have a little bit different perspective these days. Sure. Probably the best seat in the house, um, and you're watching some really really exciting, leading some very exciting basketball and, and and leadership skills in the Erie community. So, thank you. I'm very appreciative again of you having me. Respect what you do. Respect your family. Um, and you're gonna see a lot of us too, by the way. That's I'm looking forward to that as well. So. Have a Merry Christmas. You as okay? well. Merry Christmas. Wish you, your family, Merry Christmas. Well. Um, the, the Gannon family, uh, a great upcoming basketball season, men's, women's, all, all of that. Again, here to watch you, here to support you. Um, for all of our guests out there, Merry Christmas to you. This is going to be coming on literally, I think, the week before Christmas. And um, I know we're all looking forward to times you know, with our families, making memories. Um, there's nothing better than for me waking up with my wife my three boys in this house and uh, just enjoying each other's company for a good, I always take the week off between Christmas and new year's and I'm going to do that this year. Will probably till the day I die. Um, But uh, thank you. Subscribe, support, um, ask us questions. If you have any guests that you'd love to see, um, help me with the Luke Laird one. Okay. Gotcha. got to get Luke on here. I think that'd be super exciting. Maybe get him to play a couple songs for us. And uh, 
Other than that, have a great night. We'll see you soon. Take care. Tell me all about it, Doc.